0: I had to shake him on my last case, big O don't play
1: Welcome to the Musky Hunks Podcast, I'm Andy Join on the phone, I have Ryan, hi Ryan Hi Andy Hey, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Oh, excellent. Thanks for asking. And then we got Nick. Nick, how are you? Uh,
2: Good. How are you? It's been a while.
1: uh, Yeah, it's been a while. How's Junior?
2: Good. Angry, mostly. Getting a lot of teeth.
1: Okay, yep, that happens. (laughs) Part of growing up. I guess. Uh, (laughs) We also have Tom. Tom, how you doing?
3: Yep, pretty good, Andy. How you doing?
1: Thanks for asking, man. Everyone's being real polite. We we uh, all
3: care very much about how you're doing tonight, Andy
1: i know i know this is uh something special um i guess let's just jump right into this this podcast is brought to you by fat az musky products fat if you're uh looking on the world wide web or you can find us on social media we have uh fat az musky products on instagram and facebook uh anyone's been watching not very active lately mainly uh have to kind of hibernate after this past show season and and just, yes, life gets busy. But, you know, it's uh, full-blown fishing season most places. And if you've got a boat that needs set up, please uh, feel free to reach out. You can uh, find us at the website. All my contacts are through there. Um, Facebook is better than Instagram. Um, anyone that's messaged us Instagram probably knows that. Uh, I don't really check it all that much. But I do see Facebook occasionally, so... Uh, reach out there. I mean, I'll, I'll be glad to help with any setup questions you have. And uh, bait wise, let's see here. Hogan's Hut probably still has some uh, baits and Team Rhino Outdoors and Muskie Tackle online. Though, with the reorders that I've gotten from them, they're probably getting low, but definitely check them out. So, I can uh,
2: confirm Hogan's Hut had a ton of baits two weeks
1: ago. Perfect. I like that. Boots on the ground, real intel here. So um, I guess let's kick this podcast off here with uh, Ryan. How's the boat coming? <laughs> dude, first, hold on. We're going to stop for a second. Dude? Was,
4: this, is, this is so freaking awesome, Andy, dude. Welcome to the Musky Hunks podcast. Thank you so much for doing this.
1: <laughs> oh, not a problem. I, I heard you guys had trouble, so I had to, like, dig you out of a ditch here.
4: You yeah.
3: he called in the big guns.
1: We called him in
4: our our only host this evening, Andy. We forgot <laughs> Owen, by the we way. We forgot Owen. We also, <laughs> I'm sorry, don't worry about up? that. We also yeah, have on the phone back.
0: Mr. Okay. Owen Seaman and Bingo's bucktails. Nah, he always
2: no
1: comes back.
0: I sneak I just sneak in here under the radar.
1: I was gonna ask him how the blades were spinning, but I didn't know he came back.
2: Yeah,
0: I oh, snuck in that here. Was a, that was a good
4: one too. <laughs> Oh, we can, Amazing. we can do this. I can, I can. Uh, you asked me about the boat. I, I can start. I've had yeah. met many challenges in twenty twenty three.
2: What do you mean? You've been, you've had like uh, yeah many heroic successes, victories. Over I know. Oh, the it's boat it's like oh, he, it's ooh. like
0: victory
4: after victory. Oh man, I don't know about that, but dude, I I will I will just start by saying, Andy told me at Muskie Max this year. He told me about his prior boat. And we talked about, you know, this boat. I was kind of just like, it's one of those things where you're talking to guys and like, I have an Illumicraft lunker that's a 2012, you know, and I and I look and I look around and I see all these rangers and these big pretty boats and stuff. And it's just like one of those things where I'm feeling good to finally own a boat, but at the same time, I know where it's at. Like it's it's a small, thin beam, just it's a it's a perfect little fishing boat for me. But when i talked to andy he reassured me of all the memories that you're going to be able to create in a a craft like that and i can honestly tell you even though we're only sitting here on june 15th this has been an absolute crazy year for me in that boat it's just been one memory after another and it just feels like every single time something happens it's like a a feel-good story for me so Andy, I can't say you weren't spot on there. It was pretty accurate.
1: <laughs> Those little boats are the best. I, I mean, and it like in the position that you're in, like I I got that feeling, like what you just described. That I'm like, you know, I might as well start spilling the beans on some of this stuff. And I I still tell stories about my little baby 14 foot monarch. And I was I was telling the, the kids the other day, because we my daughter had a softball tournament down in Cockerton, and I told them the story about Nick might know this spot, you know, right by Little Sugar Creek, just upstream of Little Sugar Creek, that yeah. section of Rapids. Yeah,
2: you went down that?
1: I went up it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but we went prepared and I told them about the whole thing, but it was summer level and oh, it was boy. it was fun going down. But once you got under that bridge in Cockerton, you're starting to drag bottom. Well, we still had to go up it with no area for prop to be in. So, but have no fear. We were prepared. We had waders. Don't do it. <laughs> <that> right now.
2: <laughs> Did you have to get out to get it back up?
1: Several spots. It It was, I might as well just start telling the story from the beginning. Okay. <laughs> yeah okay so i at work there i i run and meet a lot of different people and one of the guys we we uh outsource some work to is bob buckeye from Microweld america and he lives down by Cockerton, but he has a place up by fairview that he that he does business and he kind of knows that you know i did the muskie fishing thing now we're going way back 15 years maybe and uh he was like, oh man, the section by my house down south of Cochardin. He goes, it's beautiful. It's like a mini Allegheny. And I'm like, really? I'm listening. And he's telling me, he goes, yeah, it's, you know, it's wide, it's slow, it's clear, it's a rock bottom, big boulders. He goes, it, it, it's, a, it's a small Allegheny. He goes, you control for miles up and down. And I'm like, you're speaking my language. Now, keep in mind, this is a long time ago. And technology wasn't, I don't want to say it's not what it is today, but it, I didn't utilize it the same. So I told my buddy Tim about this and uh, I, Tim and I fished a lot for probably five or six years. And I'm like, you up for this? And he's like, why not? I'm like, okay. So we hook up the boat. I, I do some looking on the, on the fish commission's website. And uh, I'm like, we're going to launch out of uh, Shaw's lane. And, you know, I, and the only thing i have focused when we launch is to get south of cockerton and i blew through miles of river and i wasn't expecting the impassability in some spots because the section i'm used to is pretty slow fairly deep and i can motor through most of it and I was pretty stupid with some of the stuff I was doing. I had to hammer down, just going. I'm like, man, oh, it only says it's three feet deep here. Hopefully, it gets deeper. It really doesn't. I didn't crash into anything, but it was still like I was. I had these warning signs: stop what you're doing, don't do this. Well, <laughs> we get going, and all of a sudden, we get right by Cockerton, and I look, and I'm like, I did not expect this. I'm going to, this could be an exaggeration, but I'm like, this is like Class three rapids for like 150 feet. <laughs> Nick, do you feel that I'm wrong with that?
2: Definitely not. It's, it's sporty. <laughs> no, it's sporty.
1: <laughs> so going down, it was fine because there was enough water. Like, Ooh, and we just kind of bumpered our way down it. Well, and then it gets by this little feeder stream and then it just gets really wide and shallow. But we we talked about this. We had, like, shoes, we had knee-high boots, and we had waders. And we kind of knew that it might be a challenge in, in some of these spots. So, you know, we prepared. and But we need to go down to this, this, this holy land of French Creek. So we kind of bump our way. It's one of those ones where if you've ever been in, like, a canoe going through some skinny water, how occasionally it just taps the bottom, oh, and you're yeah. just like, and you have that feeling in you're like, Shh. I'm like, don't, don't hang up. Shh. And you just keep <laughs> glancing. Oh yeah. Well, we did, we did that through Cocker Dude. And memory, I want to say that I remember, it looks like, like the uh, steelhead waters up on Lake Erie. Like it's all bedrock. It looks like there. So it's not like I can find us like a channel somewhere and we kind of get through that and we keep going. I'm like, all right, we're on the home stretch. Well, then we find another salad section. And then another shallow section. We keep going. I'm like, it's gotta be around here somewhere. And we get going and we start looking at the clock and we're like, you know, and we never really fished. We were chasing something that someone told us. Well, we're miles away from nowhere. We've got no way to get back to the truck unless it's the thing we were standing in. And you know, we saw a fish or two, you know, when we did go fishing and I, I kept saying around the next corner. It has to be it around the next corner. It has to. Be. It never came, and finally we're like, "Well, turn around." So we turn around, and I'm like, "Oh, man, this is really gonna suck." I didn't even find the place. I found something that might have been the place, but it wasn't miles. It was like hundred yards, and I'm a little disappointed. But we turn around, and we're we're going upstream, and you know, for the most part. Uh, I had I had the Tarova on it I had my four horse Evinrude that I snagged off eBay and I had my 25 horse Mariner and I'm like I also packed an anchor I usually didn't keep an anchor because of the added weight but I said I might need this
2: And are have to abandon the boat and walk
1: <laughs> no but I'll explain to you where the anchor came in handy later but we're not there yet <laughs> <laughs> So like going back upstream initially wasn't too bad. We hit a couple spots and, you know, we kind of changed in the waders and we just expected that we're not going to fish too much on the way up. And we get to a spot, you know, we, we jump out and, you know, the boat isn't very deep, so it's not hard to get back in. And, you know, we'd push it along, we'd jump back in and I'd be on the remote with the Tarova pulling us when we can and pick the motors up when we needed to. And we get through all this. In the back of my mind, I knew Cockerton was not going to be fun under the bridge there. And we get out and we're pushing it. it. It, I thought like with the current, it would have been like kind of picking the boat up and helping us. But just like that little canoe story I told you, how like you kind of skipped. there was no, it was dragged. It was just like pushing this boat up. And I'm worried about my transducers and stuff, but there is no other way home. Like, this is it. So we scrape bottom all the way up until it gets a little deeper, which, you know, it's not that far. And here we are. We're in the deep section between that bridge that we just drugged the boat. I lost like half the thickness of my haul on the, on this rock. And we're facing this section of rapids. And Tim's like, do you, do you have a plan? I'm going to give it everything we've got. So like, i dropped the four horse i fired it up and i floored it i dropped the Tarova, and we kind of got halfway centered and i'm trying to think i think i fired up the 25 the four horse wasn't really attached to like anything it would just push straight which was great because the Tarova can steer it but it's added thrust that's not battery well we get to like I don't know, like where the rapid meets the slow part of the water. And we're trying to climb and it's like not working. So I take the anchor and in my mind, it's a lot better. I'm going to say it a lot better than it actually happened. I'm like swinging it around like Indiana Jones and I launch it, which isn't all that far because it's heavy. But we throw it and I start like peeling it in. And I'm like, we've got to do something here. It was like – it felt like 15 minutes to go that whatever, 50 yards or whatever that thing was. But we were going full throttle on the four horse. The Tarova was going. We had a rope pulling, like me pulling the rope, Tim pushing in the back. And I don't know if the water in the waders was sweat or half a French <laughs> Creek. But we finally – like it was – it always – we get it right to that cusp of, like, where the boat wants to tip and go, like, on flat, calm water. And it just kind of hug there as it's like, just give it another three feet. And, like, we're running out of everything. We're running out of calories. We're running out of electrons. We're running <laughs> out of dead dinosaurs. <laughs> and we finally get it. And, and <laughs> at some point on the way back, I had already blown through that section not realizing how shallow it was like from the rapids back to the truck on the way down. I'm like, well, we're just going to risk it. And uh, somewhere along there, Tim goes, next time you tell me we're going to do this. Like, he's like, just don't. And I'm like, don't worry. (laughs) We're not coming back. (laughs) And it, it was, it was one of the most humbling experiences in that boat. We survived it, but it's like, I would never do that with the boat I have. And I I feel like I would be missing out. Like, if I had that boat still and my boy gets old enough, I wouldn't care if he took it down those rapids. He ain't touching the new boat like that. (laughs) And that's where, like, that is so perfect, is that you can get into those hairy situations. And, yes, we probably could have just tied it off with the anchor like Nick suggested, but I was proud and young and wasn't very smart (laughs) but we made it we caught no fish we hardly fished at all but i got to learn a new section of river a section of river that i will only fish from the shore moving forward (laughs) so how do you eliminate dead water by basically ruining afternoon that's how you do it (laughs)
2: I'm just envisioning you like like an old school sailor, like towing throwing the anchor up and towing yourself forward. <laughs> it,
1: it wasn't that that like it, it wasn't heroic at all. It was it was shameful. And and there's like that little park there that's by Little Sugar Creek. It, it's like <laughs> a little. Sliver. I'm little sure kids there were watching people you? just just enjoying the show of uh, two guys and waiters slipping in mossy rocks, <laughs>
5: uh.
1: pushing this boat. And I can't even remember when it was, but I don't I don't know if I had it painted yet. You probably
2: Which, made the Cochranton newspaper that, that, yes, that monthly eight, issue
1: or whatever. Yeah, it is. eight people seen it and they but they were already there. So they were all <laughs> eyewitness accounts. <laughs> but now those little boats are awesome. And yeah. you know, I I if you do anything smart. You can I mean like if you think about it, you can do anything with that boat. I was out in the trenches on Lake Erie with my boat. You know, if anyone doesn't know that, that's like seven miles offshore.
2: That's what and... I was gonna I was gonna tell you. I don't think Ryan has had, had to say uh if the sea takes me, the sea takes me.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, not yet. <laughs> not yeah. yet. The difference is he's the boat owner. <laughs> you were just <laughs> the boat borrower. Yeah,
0: that's fine. <laughs> Man, I, Andy, Andy, let me, let me ask you, what was your, was that your first boat, a
1: 14 foot Monarch? That was the first one that I would have owned. I had, you know, not to my name, but like rowboats that were tipped over on the bank of a little lake behind our house. Okay. I would, I would. Yeah. So that was my 14 foot first boat.
0: And then how long did you fish out of that?
1: I had to have fished. Let me think here. I got that boat, I think, in 2000, maybe 2006, and then I, it was 2012 when I got my first Ranger, at least five years, at least five.
0: Okay, so you, and you went straight from a Monarch to a Ranger.
1: Yes, now my Ranger was also not very new, it was like a 93, but Yes.
0: fiberglass would, or was it aluminum?
1: No, it was, it was a glass boat. Uh, okay, it was a it was a six eighty one. Did they still know, come I, with cheese platters back then,
3: or was that? Come they with still what? come cheese platters and champagne and.
1: Oh oh yeah, I mean back like in ninety three. Or... The one if you open up the one hatch, you you had a butler there.
3: Okay, <laughs> I didn't know if they phased that in the two thousands or if that was like a. You know, the trick is yeah. on. Okay. The cheese but, is
2: still that same age, so. Mm. Yeah, and I aged mean, but,
1: cheddar. okay. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's geez. a pretty big James jump. Name.
0: Even going to an a used Ranger like that, that's a pretty big jump going from a a little 14 footer to a to a a was we said a 681? It was it was a
1: 681, so I think it was like 17 ish, give or take, 16 foot something. Um it 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 was and like there was a So the story on that boat was let me think here i saw it on muskie first they have the boat classified page and i saw it and i'm like that's a nice looking boat and i'm like yeah it's just not in the cards and like the next day i look at it i'm like you know what it probably wouldn't be bad if i got a more serious fishing boat And that's what I told myself. And needless to say, I just called the guy and he's like, yeah, my phone's been ringing off the hook. The guy had it priced very, very attractively. And I'm trying to, I, 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 the, the exact number slips me, but it was like between six and eight grand, somewhere like there, 6,500 or something.
4: Holy cow. And it had a 70
1: horse Johnson on it and it looked, it, you know, it looked nice and whatever, but it was in Indianapolis and, um, I, I told him and you know I it, it just kind of like the pieces fell so perfectly together that I'm like I have to do this and I told him I said I I looked at the weather and you're gonna say why'd you look at the weather because it was February 13th
0: <laughs> oh boy
1: <laughs> And
0: I'm like you're gonna take a a, a half a you know cr- half a cross country drive to to, yes. to bring a trailer back boy that's to that's bring an a adventure. Trailer.
1: Yes. And I'm like, okay, so I worked everything out. You know, I got, I got mama's approval. I got, you know, talked to the boss at work and get like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta do this. And I told the guy, I said, I'm coming. I'm driving like seven or eight hours straight to get here. I don't it could be six. I don't even remember. And uh, I'm like, I'm going to be there. He goes, okay. He goes, I've got someone lined up coming in the afternoon. They know you're coming. I'm like, I'm coming. I drive like, I leave at like 4 a.m. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm going, you know, and you go out there and I find the guy's place and it's, I'm like, I'm crazy. I'm like, I just drove like 25% of a day and I just showed up at this guy's like driveway. It's, it's a crazy when you actually think of like pinpointing locations. And I show and he has like some bigger, yeah, he has another bigger Ranger there. It was a deep V it wasn't like a a 620 or something. It might've been like a, they have like that 690, 691. It was under a cover, but it was a bigger one. And he had this one. This was like, yeah, I keep this at my boy's house and we go bass fishing, but he's not around anymore or something. And okay. So, you know, I'm looking at it and you know, the first thing, I don't know if anyone else is like this, but like when a big purchase and you're actually faced with it, like you're facing the music, you're like, no, don't do it. Just go home. Mm -hmm. Like,
3: oh yeah oh, yeah, and i'm <laughs> like the like, yeah. final boundary between you and the it's all good yeah. till it's real <laughs> yeah
1: it's real easy to talk but now here you are you're facing it and i'm like ah just no this isn't for me and i'm like there was nothing wrong with the boat i just got there and i'm like i don't know and i'm sitting there thinking and i'm like i'm like trying to find something wrong with it you know like i'm starting to get like cold feet here and i'm like ah. I'm like, you know, I just drove all the way out here. And if I come back without that boat, there is no coming back for it. It's sold. And like he was getting calls while we were there. And he, you can have some shady classifieds guy like say, hey, tell his buddies to keep calling. I don't know if you guys ever run into that, but um,
0: <laughs> not yet.
1: I have a feeling this was like a <laughs> 2000s thing. Like when, when you like go look at something from the, like a newspaper classified. It's like the, the guy was like, hold on. I, I got a call, and he, yeah, <laughs> like what well, we talked before the show, and um, I'm like, yeah, let's let's go ahead and let, let's let's just get this done. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, it, it was it was the weirdest thing. He's like, okay, well, do you want to go to the notary? And I'm like, well, I need I need documents. Yes, yeah, so I need this to get back into the state. And he's like, well, this one's open, and this and this. And then like it was the weirdest thing. Out of the blue, he's like, well, I'm a notary. Then why were you telling me to go all over the place? He did all you the motory stuff. You might want to tell me
0: that a little bit ago. Jeez, oh a am Right. I could have let in I'm with like,
1: that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, lead with this, okay? Yeah. And he uh, he does everything like right there on his kitchen table and whatever, and I hook it up. And the thing was, so this was Valentine's Day. And it was clean sailing on the way back. And I'm, I, I couldn't waste any time because – Kind of when I got by, like, Dayton, Columbus area, the snow started falling. And, like, I'm like, it's not going to stick. And I'm just, it doesn't matter. I got to go home anyway. So I keep going, and I'm getting up by Cleveland, and now the snow's sticking. (laughs) like, don't wreck. Uh And, you know, by the time I get home, there's an inch or two of snow on the ground, like, on the road. There was already snow on the ground. But, like, I made it home. I got it back in there. And it was just like, I drove like 12, 14 hours today to pick up a boat. I spent 45 minutes at the guy's house. The weather held out enough for me to get it. And I'm like, that, that was just, that's how that was. And it was like, this was my stepping stone. Like there's not a better thing that says, this is one's for you. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad I bought it. And, um, so at that point, when I brought that boat home, I had three boats in the pole barn. I had the Monarch, I had the 681, and then I had a 2050 sport fish, a big Crestliner.
2: I was going to say, now, when did that fit into the...
1: That was my Lake Erie boat. Did I you took have that up.
2: before the Monarch or...
1: No, I had that paralleling the Monarch, but I had the Monarch for at least a couple years. It, it turned into where I liked catching the 03 hatch of those walleye. And the 14 footer really wasn't like ultra safe in like two to three footers. It was good on the flat calm, but you're still a little boat in a big sea.
2: If the sea takes you, the sea takes you, you know? And
1: <laughs> I value my life a little more than that saying. So I, um, I opted to buy a bigger boat, which, you know, that's what I had. And it was, that was a great boat, but it's, not really anything to do with muskie fishing. Though I did fish a tournament in that boat on Connie Lake. Um Didn't
2: you say you big, ran big boards with that?
1: We did. We ran big boards and uh it was like a rod and gun club. Um putting on like biggest crappy in the crappy division, biggest bluegill. And he was like, We've never had a muskie registered. Well, it was myself, my wife, and Tim, and we went down there. And uh, we set out the big boards, and you would have thought a spaceship was landing. People were pointing and like, "What is that?"
2: <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's illegal, <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? Let me get close with my jet ski. <laughs> but so that was the only musky fishing that boat ever did was pulling big boards, and we did have whole, uh, like lines go off when you hit that mid lake hump, and <laughs> it wiped everything out. Oh, if anyone's been to, to Connie Lake, there's that's, a mid-lake hump.
2: <laughs> that's a bane of my existence there. <laughs> I do not trust your Navionics.
1: No. So
2: anyways, I, but, I can't, I can't even picture you
4: running big boards at Connie. Like I just, it was, we're talking mass system here, right? The, like, the
1: mass, the big parallel boards, you know, the bright yellow line, everything.
2: I just remember on that Crestliner, I think we ran. Tommy and I ran into you at Walnut Creek the one time, and you had like the coolest setup to tie your main motor to your kicker that I can remember seeing. It was like a mean
0: steering wise.
2: Yeah, it was like a radius. I think because it was a what IO to a outboard kicker.
1: It was, but I'm trying to think of what your.
2: I guess one of it was like a
1: in the crest liner i think so i got rid of that crest liner and well i had to sell it and i still have what's remnant of it um with baby number two coming no yes coming um this would have been like
2: 2012 or something like that
1: that's that seems about right yeah, that seems. yeah, that that's that's the dates because I, I sold it in thirteen and uh we needed to use that money to buy a different truck for me so we could put more car seats in. There you go. So yeah, I'm trying to think how I did that.
2: It was like a like um, I there was, was a, like there a was radius a pan- of metal that somehow tied into the the out drive or something and it was very elaborate, but it was neat.
1: Okay, man, I, I'm stumped on that one, so I got to take your word.
2: I can't remember. I can't remember exactly how it was. I just remember because being Tommy,
1: had by that, it. Tommy had that. Tommy had that fishing ski or something.
2: Yeah, it was like a. Oh man, what was that? It had some weird name, but that's the one we ended up blowing the bearing out coming back from Canada with. Okay. The Weekender is what it was called. All right. The model. Something weekender.
4: Yeah. This sounds like the perfect boat to grill sausages on. That's right. Head
2: out, head out on the trenches and catch walleye.
1: Penis-shaped well, foods. And and you could have a Bluetooth speaker blaring shaggy music. That's right. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I found that the fish bite the best to the Bloodhound gang. Oh man. <laughs> Just wow,
1: <laughs> we're getting really nowhere. I'm just telling you, boats. I'm jumping all over <laughs> Sorry. That's what we're yeah. about. Like we we, so we, we go nowhere. Do. Like this we're, is the podcast yeah. about nothing.
2: That's right. We're the Seinfeld of Muskie Podcast.
1: That's right. All right. But
2: yeah, I'm gonna, so, I'm gonna show. Okay, up so at, so so, so we, we, your we, door with the perm in my hair. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So we're talking boats here is like, when did you get started saying, okay, I'm going to start messing around and, uh, you know, fabricating things, you know, start, how did you get into the whole troll, getting into the trolling aspect of things? And actually, I guess the first question should be, is that how you got into the musky thing or was it the baits first?
1: (sighs) Okay. So we've got two questions in that question. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Um, I'm going to say the first thing, for me to start tinkering if you want to go in like my history of tinkering let's go back to like 1989 when i got my first set of legos yes
4: (laughs) yes
1: and i I mean it i don't want to say it's embarrassing but like i was playing like into my middle teens with legos still and uh this is a parenting advice out there if your kid likes to play with legos don't squash it oh hell no um it's um yeah, it's fun to put the kits together, but when you have a whole bunch of smash kits and you're starting to build some pretty cool stuff on your own with your own imagination, that's really good later on in life. So,
2: funny building sides, with Legos. Funny but side that, story: I had to get my window or like windshield replaced in my car, and mm-hmm. the guy at Safe Light like was way too excited to show me the like six hundred dollar Lego car kit that he had just finished putting together. That he brought to the office I was like, "Hey, there's this out, man. <laughs> I
0: was
2: like, "Okay, but but do I have a windshield?"
0: <laughs> hey, well, shout out Mac discount. Has a Mac discount. That's the windshield. Mac Discount, you can get some good Lego sets, dude. like the some of the real good ones. Before the we get go, advanced one. ones,
4: dude. My wife still she's forty three years old now, and she still
0: does Lego. It's 20, 29, <laughs> Insert.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
3: i'm 30 and i just bought a bunch of legos to make molds out of i've been playing legos too i guess we all have something in common we didn't even know it. we all play legos
1: okay well i mean i guess that we're all coming clean i just dropped 300 bucks on a bunch of lego Technics off amazon to give to my boy which <laughs> i strongly built a motorized bulldozer with <laughs> did we got you a make... high drive double track and you got did you, got... What's did, you... That?
2: did you put armor plate on it like the uh that guy in colorado
1: the killdozer (laughs) you don't know it by name
2: (laughs) i didn't know if everyone knew it by name so i didn't want to well
1: i'm gonna tell you this so i built the the chassis and i let my my boy owen i let him kind of do it and i didn't he doesn't know because he's eight but he basically made what looks like killdozer like he just had these panels all over everywhere and you know, I started asking. I'm like, now where are the cameras and where where are, like the the holes for the rifle barrel? But <laughs> we're, we're that's gonna, why
3: I couldn't be a parent because right there I'd be like, oh dude, you got to check out this documentary on Netflix. It's about uh, wait, never mind. <laughs>
1: how, how about how about this like really awful grainy video footage of this guy that pushed to his limits?
2: <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have to make to make this scale accurate. We're gonna have to use mortar instead of quickcrete. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> done do you. Do you have to you want to like have a muffler shop or something sometime? <laughs> That's what I believe his occupation was. That didn't land very well. But I'm used to this. Oh, it landed. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways. So back to do we want to keep going on
5: killdozer
1: (laughs) 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 we were on legos okay so let's go back to legos (laughs) no but basically when you start screwing around with that stuff and it it really does help that um you know back in 1993 my my dad started you know he he prior to that my dad had you know a job and he had like a little side gig a little metal shop 93 he went He quit the job and went full-time on the metal shop. And it was just kind of something. By 93, I was nine years old. It's just like it was there. And I'd go and, you know, be at the shop and pick up something, find a hammer, you know, just do what you could do. And it just kind of, you know, kept rolling in. And pretty soon, hey, these Legos are great, but so are nuts and bolts and drilling holes and other things and you just kind of keep going with that and the you know senior year in high school i had enough credits i i did um what was called at least around these areas it's called co-op where basically half of my senior my, my day my senior year i was at work doing stuff like making it and it it counted for a lot of credits to do that so my senior year, I was basically working half a year at the shop. And then I just, all summers, you know, 10th grade, 11th grade, all that stuff I was, I was working. And it was just, it surrounded me then, you know, manufacturing engineering degrees and all that other stuff. And, you know, you kind of come out and you're just like, yeah, I can, I can tinker. I can design, I can do this. And um, it's, it's just one of those things that they, it all kind of melted together in my life. and there really was no like hard push from anyone to to kind of keep this course. It was just life has a funny way of you just kind of keep bouncing back and forth and you find your own way and and you kind of you know show up with it and yeah, I, I get some I, I have some good ideas, original good ideas, but a lot of the stuff that you know that i I've designed. Were not original ideas of myself. It's sometimes it's in passing conversation. Someone's like, oh, man, it'd be really cool if something like this happened. Right. Oh, OK, I'm going to take a little mental note of that and I'm going to make it happen. And and that's and that's kind of how all of this stuff built was, mm-hmm. um. you know, we can transition over the baits. Uh, anyone that's listening, long time listening to the to the Fat AZ Muskie podcast, they, you know, early on, we talked about the start of the baits. And it was basically, I got into um, that winter bank fishing. And that all came from going to a muskie show. Well, it was a the butler fishing show, but it was all muskies. And Howard Wagner turned me on to it because I went to a muskie fishing winter seminar. I forget what he called it all. But he basically set up a tripod with like an old over-the-shoulder, Camcorder and he filmed himself, you know, catching these muskies. And I'm like, that's just down the street from me. Like, when you see someone catching fish literally by where you pass almost every day, you're just like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Right. And, and that's, you know, basically he gave his thoughts away. So when, when, uh, um, he's in
2: at the Butler fishing show, you're still an hour, hour plus from where, where the spot was. So it's kind of a little bit of a, it, it
1: it was just, it was, uh, what he thought his information was safe. He didn't realize how far people would travel. Right. Not that I really put a hurting on any of the, of the fishery there. I mean, it it comes and goes. I used to bank fish a lot and I got, I, I consider myself pretty good at it and then I don't have a lot of time to do it anymore. So I probably fall back into the, I suck category, but <laughs> I still have all the spots in my head. Like they really, they change, but you might lose some, but you'll pick up some. And, but for the most part, the river is going to be the river, at least in my lifetime. And, um, but anyway, so, You know, at the time I was fishing with uh, my my one friend Eric, and I said, "Hey, actually, he was with me at that seminar." And we're like, "Let's do this!" And um, you know, we went down, and I'm trying to remember what it was. We had—I don't don't even know if the brand's still
5: uh,
1: like around, but Optimum, the swim bait company. Yeah. Okay, so six inch optimum swim baits and they were just like a jig hook molded into like a paddle tail and we quickly found that their quality control was not there and but in this case it didn't matter because we got what we needed immediately we showed up and there was a little bit of snow on the ground and i remember eric on his third cast he caught i don't know it was a low 30s muskie, and i'm like oh this is easy and like he caught that musky i ended up catching like three pike that day And we're like, this is better than summer fishing. We just happened to hit it perfect because we went through a lot of suck after that. But we just kept grinding on it because it was so close to home. And we started like some of that suck that I talked about was hooking up fish and bringing them half in and then getting off. And we we look at these rubber swim baits and we're going through like two, three or four of them to get one to swim right. And it it probably not the swim bait so much as we were fishing in like 32 degree water. Like, like we kind of joke about it. Like if the river would stop flowing, you would have ice immediately. It's just, it was so cold and you get that rubber and you're trying to work it really slow. It just doesn't always work. But you know, we, we finally find one that does swim and you, you get a hookup and you get it half in and it falls off. And you're just like, this is maddening. because it's a single jig hook out the top. And um, I finally said like, like the, the key saying here is I can do better. So I'm like, I'm going to make my own swim bait because I can do better than this. And that's what right. started the swim bait was I didn't want a single jig hook because when we hook up like into a log, it was pretty much gone. Like, what are you going to do straight? Like, if you even straighten the jig hook, like, there's times anyone ever gets snagged bad on the bank and you you have to find a stick and wrap your line around it because no matter how hard you push with your thumbs and your drags locked, Mm -hmm. you can't get it out. You have to find the stick. So if you were to straighten the jig hook, what are you going to do now? Pull out pliers and try to bend it back? It's just pretty much you just break your line. And I'm like, you know, I want something to wear, you know, and I played around with it a little bit. It never really caught on mainstream, but one, I wanted more than one hook point. And that's, that's all I was getting with the Optimums. Yeah. They had like a little wire on the bottom that you could, you know, put a hook, but I didn't really want one necessarily there. Mm. And I hadn't been exposed to like all of the hardware that was actually available uh, at this time. So I made, I made the swimmer and there were a couple things different with it in that I still had the belly hook, but I also could play around with split rings and you can have a split ring that will open up before you break your line. Should you get it hung up? You just lose the hook. And I also had that other treble hook on the top. So now instead of running one hook point, I have four and I have like a little backdoor savior, just like I'm stuck. Pull on it. You know, it's, you take the stick, you wrap your fishing line around it, you start pulling and you know, you could, you can open up a split ring and these fish, when you do hook into them, they got a little bit of funk, but it dies pretty quick because it's really cold and you don't have to horse them. So you can get away with those, that lighter split ring. And, um, so basically, that's kind of what started. I could build it better. So the swimmers I made, they, were, they would swim in the cold. They would swim going, you know, you, you can't cast upstream and like drag it at the speed of the water because then you got nothing to really make the tail flutter. Yeah. But for what we were doing, they were working and we were fishing them like really close to the bottom. But what, how we were doing it was we weren't really fishing structure. And what we what we theorized was we were fishing the transition between their deep holdings and their feeding grounds. And this took like years for us to kind of put this together, because as further upstream on this one feeder creek, you would run into like schools of suckers. And that's just what we thought was they're holding in the deep slack water and they know the food is up here. And they're just swimming through this area. And if you could stick with it, you could make the same cast for two hours straight with nothing. Like literally the same cast. Then all of a sudden you'd have, you know, three fish and in, in ten casts. You know, it was, it, it just, don't ask me why. That's this the is... only, like, I'm not saying that what I think was it was true. It's the only thing that made sense in my head.
4: Dude, this is wild to me because I'm thinking about not, like, not. Uh, what I want to say here is like, Andy, when was it? Like, what year roughly was this when you guys were figuring this out in the creeks? Two thousand
1: six, seven, maybe
4: eight. We were so, we were
1: definitely hitting it by two thousand eight with like some knowledge. So six or seven, maybe the around thing- there.
4: The thing that blows me away about this and like, I don't know, this is probably going to sound really stupid to everybody, but like, I didn't really start Creek fishing until like 2019. And I kind of mm-hmm. went through some of the same things that you just described there. But the wild part of this to me is like, just that the time frames in which like, Andy, you've been doing this a really long time. You've been fishing for muskies and you had that figured out in 2006, 2007, 2008. You know and then you you look like before you like howard wagner was doing it before howard somebody else was like all this time passes and it's kind of just like crazy to think about like some of the same like techniques and like that strategy to me is like almost kind of what i figured out in some of my creek areas, like very similar but it was so many years after you had already figured it out
1: like it, it just like history repeats itself like right like you that's are figuring out yeah. the stuff that i had figured out a decade before
4: Right, exactly. That just blows my mind. It's so wild to think about like that over time. Like it, it's just crazy with these fish.
0: Well, there's no manual for it. That's the thing. I mean, everyone's right. got to kind of go out and learn, le- you know, learn by trial and error. And what Andy just described was, dude, that is <laughs> trial is, and error. And saying I can, mm-hmm. I can figure out a way to, to, to cut down on the errors here. Yeah, I think it, it's it,
3: cool. I'm sitting on a box of like Optum swim baits over in the lab and I never drew the connection. Like that's where the swimmer came from. But now I can't like unsee it because they, they do kind of look like they're all oh, they're both chubby. They're fat. They kind of have that same body they, they shape. They yeah.
1: yeah. Now I so can't
3: that, unsee that. That's cool. I never thought of that.
1: Well, and How, go ahead. How'd you make your first
0: mold? Like like when you're experimenting and saying, hey, I want to make something better, um, you, you know, that's even before like the Larry Dahlberg videos that I've It was that- just before Dahlberg stuff. Okay. Cause that's where I kind of really started, you know, paying attention to it. And there, you know, and you're describing that time frame of, of you know, right around that same same type of area. Yeah, his there.
1: his show The Hunt for Big Fish or whatever. Oh God.
0: Yes. I love that show. I remember I have so many memories of, of having my son He's 13 now sitting on my lap as a, as an infant, you know, watching hunt for big fish on, on Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings on back then in Pittsburgh, it was on, we had versus TV, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was on versus TV, man. What, what memories. And that's what, that's really what got me. That's what got me to buy my first muskie setup. That, that's what got me into musky fishing period and, and kind of the bait building stuff. So that's cool.
1: Yeah, and like so, the question: What was my first mold? Yeah, it was bondo. I hmm. mixed up bondo, and I tried to mold an optimum swim bait. Huh. I still have the mold. I think in the museum.
4: That's it crazy.
1: Was hideous.
4: <laughs> did it
1: work? But I I did it in my basement, and I'm like I because. Like what ended up happening when, when we were like prior to me making the swimmer, we were struggling so much to get one to work. We were scouring eBay. And when a seller would put, put up a lot, we would buy the whole lot. Like, and just be like, hopefully there's a couple that work. And we were getting them in like the heads where the lead was, was turning white and like, (laughs) kind of like melting inside
2: like the and oxidization was just like pushing the whole bait apart.
1: It was, it was bad. Like, like you cast in the head peels off the jig head. Like, <laughs> I don't know where these came from, if these were Chinese knockoffs or, or what, but it was bad. And, and it just like, it was the only thing that seemed to work for us, which if that's all you throw, that's all you're going to catch fish with. Mm-hmm. But it was, Third cast, how can, this is it. This is the magic bait. Third cast, and then, you know, one muskie and three pike or something that day. And it, it's like we could do no wrong. So that was the bait. And we were buying them, you know, like, I, hey, Eric, I just got six coming. He goes, oh, okay, you know, I got some the other day. And, you know, and back then, I think we were paying like six or seven or eight bucks a piece for them, And like, holy crap, we're spending so much money on this. And I'm like, I look back now, I'm like, Pfft. That's nothing.
4: Mm, I wish musky baits cost six bucks.
1: Right. And (laughs) right. And and, and, so it's, you know, we, we were going, we were going through all that stuff. And I I look back just like my, my, my boat story of pushing it up the rapids. It's like, I don't want to trade that. It's, it's fun to think about the the three fish days you have you know whatever and and you're like oh yeah i was i was i could do no wrong but i look more fondly on those like man i really struggled and i eventually figured it out or at least i think i figured it out nature has a way of kind of kicking the ladder out from underneath you but
5: yeah
1: um you you kind of gain all this and then it just it's almost like as soon as I'm going to bring this back to the boats. This is how good of uh, partial host I am. <laughs> it's like connected it I all started, together. Yeah, as soon as I started getting like what I would consider top tier equipment, it stopped being as fun. It's almost mm-hmm. like now you're chasing like the next piece of equipment, mm-hmm. and it's, it's like ah, I'm going to have this to do it to do it better and this and that and. You know, it's I, I, I still love fishing. Don't get me wrong. I haven't even started my boat yet this year, but I, I, it's it's like a busy life. But prior to that, go back 10 years. It was a priority, like taking videos of the first time you fired up the motor on the muffs <laughs> to make sure it ran. And, you know, I, I okay, just well, how, old, how old are your kids right now, Andy? Eight and about and 11, like next week.
0: Oh, okay. So that's so you say ten years ago was a lot more important. Well, there you go. I mean, that's that's kind of right in the sweet spot. I mean, oh a lot of things were a lot more important to me fourteen years, thirteen years ago, twelve years ago. You know, and then kids happen, and all these commitments happen, and all of a sudden it's like, man, I only get out to fish when when it happens. You know, and I'm not proud of that. Like it's like. It's not something that I I don't come on this podcast because I I offer any type of great amount of, you know, insight or depth because I, you know, I have so many things going and I'm, it sounds to me like you're in a similar situation there where between your job, your family, all the bait building, the, you know, the, the rod holder. I mean, you got a million balls
1: in the air, dude. I, I, and there's a lot more that you don't know about, but, yeah, sure. <laughs> but I mean, you're right. And and there's, there are things that take priority. And if, if anyone's listening to this, like I'm not anti-child, they are the <laughs> like disclaimer, right <laughs> off the <disclaimer>. bat. <laughs> because like, I <laughs> think like uh, on the AZ podcast, there've been times that I've just pretty much gave it like, really direct advice. And, you know, I've had people come up and tell me just at the New York show this year, they're like, you scared me when you told me about this stuff at the other shows. Like I told Brandon Lilly about some of the tips for having children when, when him and uh, Amber were expecting. And, and I'm like, yeah, the thing is, is you're going to be just fine with it. All that being said, I just want to say there is no more joy in your life than having children. Like, I'll give away all my fishing stuff for the kids. Like yeah. that's that's how great kids are. And I hope to, I, to be able to share stuff with them, but you also you, it's a it's a fine line. You you can't force these kids into doing stuff. Absolutely. You can encourage. Right. And you know, and it's just like it sucks to grow up. But I have all these sucky memories that I can cherish and I can tell people about. And hopefully people can take one or two good things from it and and run with it. But I don't ever want the shortcut. I want to go through the suck. And if you can enjoy the suck, you can be good at just about anything. So, you know, there. Now everyone's all motivated. They can run through walls. Um.
4: <laughs> I'm dude. I already did. I ran right through my door
1: in my office just now. <laughs> But like when I was trying to figure this out, there was no like there was like an internet community, but it, it wasn't it wasn't what it is now. And and kind of like what I'm going back to, like you know, if if you if you gave a big lump sum of money to someone and said, "Here, buy all the best equipment now, go musky fishing," I don't think they're gonna like it. I think you have to be like, "I'm gonna do this." because it's hard and i know that the first three to five years are going to be hard and i had no one no one to teach me i was fishing with a bass guy there were times he was like pitching in lily pads and i'm like trying to cast over 50 yards of weeds to get to something open and and at times there was friction there i'm like you know i'm trying to drop pins i'm like do bass live in deeper water and he (laughs) never really if it's his boat he's taking it wherever And that's where, like, the creek really came in nice. The river is because, you know, it's not the Mississippi, obviously, but you can fish all of it. And at any spot, there could be a fish. And it's just, you got to cycle through the water and and figure some of this stuff out. And, you know, so I basically kind of learned to musky fish while the guy driving the boat was bass fishing. And... When he was in my boat, I really knew nothing else but then to, to boat control for bass fishing. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but there are better ways to control the boat if you're going to do a musky drift. But you're fishing. Just go out there and and figure it out your way. Yeah, yeah. I might I might do stuff that's laughable in my boat, but I learned it that way. But I can also learn it the other way. And I can do both depending on the situation. So just get out there and just start hammering on stuff. And like the the craziest thing I've told this story many times, I'm trying not to repeat stories. That was one thing on the AZ podcast that I try not to do is repeat stories. But when I'm, when I'm bank fishing, bank fishing is great because you can do it like instantly. Mm-hmm. at least around where I live, I can hit like five or six holes easily within 20 minutes.
3: No boat hookup, no prep, no.
1: You have NBS. a little over-the-shoulder, like little satchel bag, mm-hmm. a couple baits, you know, release tools, and, you know, bring a couple liters, maybe a knife, you know, some basic, very basic stuff.
3: The laundry list spot. is way shorter for a bank trip, I feel like.
1: Absolutely. It is. And it's also... You kind of learn to. You don't need a great photo. In fact, you don't need a photo at all. Should you catch one, it's one of those. It's like it's a more of a personal satisfaction. I I had this spot that I scouted out, and which I've talked about this a lot. I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it again here after this story scouting. Bank if you're bank fishing, and you're like you want to get good at it. If you're not scouting, you're gonna be stumbling for a long time. But um, I scouted this place out and it took me like three years. And I'm like, I know there's got to be a muskie here. I finally caught a muskie. Like, I know there has to be one. Took me three years to do it. There was another spot that first calf muskie right on the bank. I'm like, oh, this is great. I've gone back there. Never seen another one. <laughs> I've, I, in fact, I'm thinking of a couple spots now that that, that, that has happened. First cast in a hole, you catch a muskie, you bring it in, and you come back to that hole. Nope, mm-hmm. nope, and uh, but sometimes you just got to be persistent. In fact, that one spot that I was talking about took me three years. I kept seeing walleyes, and when I say a small hole, I'm talking like twenty five foot diameter, and you you'd probably struggle you would not get through it in the summer in a kayak. And I'm like, this is a feeder. That's not that far from the main Creek. There has to be fish here. And so I just kept, kept going. And, you know, I was throwing smaller musky baits and it was just like, I'm catching walleye. I caught like one or two walleye and I had a bunch of other ones kind of, kind of like swiping at it and doing whatever. And I'm like, well, why don't I uh, Next time bring a like, a like a jig in a walleye thing And maybe I can If I don't catch a muskie like I normally don't do here I can catch some Anything. walleye And have dinner I mean it doesn't take long for your mind to start switching Where if you're like I really want pizza But
5: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But
1: There's a <laughs> burger here instead <laughs> Like So I I fish fished the hole with with a little baby salmo skinner like the little one and boom walleye i'm like okay here we go i put it down i grabbed this, grabbed this little twister tail jig cast and i'll catch a muskie i caught it on a walleye rig
5: <laughs>
1: but i caught it yep. <laughs> like it was the same cast i was doing and with the walleye going i i don't get it but
3: I think it's yeah. cool because you always used to talk about the creek fishing in the az podcast and like that's something i like because i've said this before we always have the videos of like st Clair, the big water and you know the, the shield water and like when i started musky fishing it was cool to watch that it was entertaining but none of it was relatable like you got guys throwing their mega monster pounders and like the wide open abyss and i'm like i'm fishing a creek dude like you said like little 25 by 25 foot hole where you would struggle to get through in a kayak. I'm like, I need something relatable. And when you would tell the stories of that, like the little Creek and showing up and being like, I don't, I don't know if there's fish here, but I'm about to find out. Like that was cool. That that's like PA musky fishing to me. Like how I started.
1: Yeah. It's, it's so overlooked because of the glamor of the big boats and the, and the equipment Mm -hmm. and burning gasoline and, Oh, we've got to drive four hours to go musky fishing, and I was—I was never a crowd follower. Like if they're like a oh. hot bites going on here, I'm not the first one to hook up my boat and go. I—I I, I would actually shy away from the crowds, just because I don't—I have nothing to prove, mm. and just going and finding your own. I would rather catch nothing or a little thinker that I carved out of some wood backwoods mosquito infested you know just uh, just Mm -hmm. awfulness and be like i accomplished this and then i'll share it with the two or three people that might care yeah
2: i grounded my boat for two hours to get to this spot (laughs) There is like a rewarding payoff
3: though, like he said though, like you cause you not only did you catch that fish, but like you found that fish. You scouted that. It's like that's like draws a parallel with hunting, I think. It's like you scouted that You're fish, right. you did and, your prep and like
1: And these fish, generally speaking, are immaculate condition because they're mm-hmm. not getting bludgeoned to death with baits. <laughs> it's 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 a really neat thing. Yeah, there are some community holes that I'm like, I know this fish has seen baits. hmm but there are some tangles that I climb into that y- you learn to cast without really moving your rod. Like <laughs> it, it, it sounds, it sounds stupid, but like I'll take my, my LT big dog that I've added four inches to the butt grip and I'll like poke it through the weeds. Like, like Elmer fun and bugs bunny kind of thing. Like <laughs> it comes through and, and you just get good at like doing like a, like a circular motion with the bait. And like when it comes back around, you give it a wrist flip, and it you can throw it reasonably. Is this perhaps?
3: I remember a a discussion on the AZ podcast. Is this perhaps the splashless cast that they harassed you for? Because when I listen to that, I'm like, I know what Andy's talking
1: about, and I was mad that they were bugging you for that one. It it has something to do with it, but the splashless cast is best in a boat, and I don't do like that (laughs) circular motion. It's kind of more like a flip, and, and and it's just. When it happens, the guy in the boat, unless he's watching, doesn't know it's happened because it's splashless. It makes no noise. <laughs> it is so stealth.
3: Well, I listened on the episode how you were trying to describe it, and I'm like, I get it. Every every step, I understand. You kind of stop it and pull it back to you, and like, I get it, man. That's that's a thing. yes
1: <laughs> it, it, it 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 truly can happen, and it, it's, it's happening. Yep, and it's one of those learning how to just manipulate the rod tip and and some of this just comes from you know like learning how to work gliders and stuff like that um no oh, gearman's calling me Uh-oh. um i'm in <laughs> Pull him on in let's go <laughs> perfect timing <laughs> he wants his bump board it's at the shop <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it's it's one of those things it's like it's, it's really hard to tell someone like I've even had really experienced fishermen and I tried to explain to them how to work a glider. And it's just like, man, I don't know how I can't formulate the words right to tell you how to do this, but it has to do with just feeling tip load mm-hmm. and, you know, to, to really be like a violinist with, with a glider. And that's part of this bank, bank fishing, casting, because you know, I'll, I'll see guys, and there are places that you can do this. They're hauling their nets. They've got big tackle boxes, two or three rods. And I'm like, man, you've got to be able to strip this stuff down. And uh, you might not always know how you're going to land that fish should it happen. But you're going to have to figure it out if it does happen. And you get really mm-hmm. good. At, like, I think that, that little dandelion on that bank has enough room yeah. to hold me. And you, like, dig your heel into it. And, and you just, you get down there at the pliers or whatever you're going to do and you, you, you pop it free and, you know, you, you can make, you got to make it happen. And, we talked
3: about bank fishing a while back. I, that was one of the things I was saying. I'm like, you always like, I set the net down and I think a worst case scenario, like if this fish goes this way, like, where am I going to land it? If this fish goes this way, like in my head, I'm painting a picture of like, what could go wrong and where am I going to
1: end up? And
3: If he goes this
1: way, I'm horsing him back. Yeah, I'm bringing him back this way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not playing nice on this Mm -hmm. because we're both going to be sad when you're pinned to that Mm -hmm. (laughs) lock. I mean, some of the coolest stuff has happened, like bank fishing that people don't even know. Like, when I finally got, like, really confident, I, I, in my head, this is going to sound really dumb coming out. I wanted to write a book and it would be something like musky below my feet or something like that about just these little things that people would not come even think of there's a section of creek that when the water is not at summer level but it's not at flood stage but it's closer to flood stage and i see these guys bank fishing in the, in the colder water and they're launching it into the middle of the creek and i i i i've called fish before like i'm going to catch a fish on this cast or if you cast here you're going to catch one like rivers are that predictable at times and i've told them i said i am going to catch one it's going to be at your feet and they're like what and i'll pitch it 20 30 40 50 feet upstream literally a foot off the bank and in the one that comes to mind i had i had two people with me i told them and uh it was on a swimmer and like halfway in i set the hook and like like literally probably four or five feet by the time this thing come up to the surface it was like a legit 30 pounder and it was thrashing on the surface and it threw the bait and they just looked at me like how did you know and i'm like did you even look at this place in the summer this bank is undercut deep when the water's up, those fish are going to hug in that. Literally, you're standing on top of the fish. And you no, cast it right way. along and you'll work it down. It doesn't happen every time. But that's a fish you're never going to catch if you keep casting out and you got an eight-foot rod. You're not getting the bait close enough. You want that water to be coming up and you want that fish to be like, I I got to go somewhere safe. And the slowest water might be right there under the undercut of the bank. And, you know, some of that stuff is just like you don't know it until you screw around doing it.
2: Mm-hmm. That's why and- when I go creek fishing, I like to lose baits in those holes ahead of time. <laughs> Mark oh, yeah. Leave a marker for when that way on this- there, you know. Yeah.
4: See, that was I mean, that was something that you guys talked about on the AZ podcast with the scouting and like going out in summer. Like, you know, how many lures I've lost like in the winter And then you just go back like summer and they're still ankle deep. They're still pinned to that same log. Yep. Like it's, it's crazy. Like, but that, that point right there, I mean, dude, I wouldn't have known. Like there's an area that it's almost like a little, it's like a sandbar almost, but it's, it's like a mud bar that comes out in this one area. And like, I wouldn't have known that was there. And, you know, unless I went back in summer, you know, I got that off of you guys. And I mean, I've caught. You know, at least probably 10 fish off of that.
1: <laughs> oh, and you, so. you know, I'll expand a little because I said I was going to. I don't know if you know anyone listening, this could this could help out for them. But like if you're gonna do river fishing, I, I I talk as often as I can about people you need to scout. And what I mean by that is I I dare you to go in September or October and knock on a landowner's door asking hunting permission. It's not going to happen most of the time go in May or June and knock on the same landowner's door and say, do you mind if I fish that Creek behind your house? I have never got to know. Never. I've had some landowners so excited. They want to take me to the holes where there's fish. (laughs) They're like, Hey, I wish more people would use this Creek. Come here. Let me show you over there.
3: sounds like big rich. (laughs)
1: and uh you know and now all of a sudden i let's see have i i'm trying to think of all the doors i've knocked on but i don't anyways if you get in good with the landowner on fishing i'm not saying it's going to work every time but if you get a good relationship you might get some hunting property in a few years (laughs) but but that that's a side benefit but Go there when the water's like stabled out and clear and low. Mm -hmm. And you can pretty much pick it out like, okay, this looks like a rock bottom trout stream above it, a rock bottom trout stream below it. I know there's muskies in here, but this 50 yard stretch that looks like it's mud and six, seven, eight feet deep. They have to be there when the water is cold and running fast. They have to. Mm -hmm. And if it's 50 yards long by, I don't know, 80 yards 80 feet wide you can fish that easily in a couple hours if you're going really slow you can you can power fish it too but Mm. you keep going they have to be there it's a matter of survival they cannot sit in the rapids and burn calories all winter and expect to live and you just you find these spots you know i had an old paper map that i kept in my my last truck and i would start marking stuff off and making notes i had spots almost in new york all the way down past Pockerton i don't know what that is what's that 60 miles of river
2: something like that yeah
1: i mean and i'm not saying i had every hole but i had every hole that i knew of that i could fish and um you know it's it's little things like that but if you can look at it with a with clear water there were some spots mm. i looked at i'm like hey This looks great, and you go there in the summer. You're like, "Why did I think it looks great? It's two feet deep, Mm -hmm. but it just looked deep in the winter."
3: Summers the tell all.
1: Yeah, and um, but that's my that's my little spiel on.
3: So here's a question, Andy, because I like I like to do the whole bank thing too, and I've thought about this a lot, standing at like sketchy bank spots. So these spots that you're picking, like you have your money spots. Do you think those fish in these little creeks and stuff, they're just laying there, they're not moving much, or do you think, I, I've always thought of it more like archery hunting, like you're kind of in your tree stand waiting for like a muskie to come by almost, like in some of the, the creek spots I'm fishing. Like, I'll stay in there for 12 hours at a time, hoping that one's going to be coming past, and that's like when I'm going to encounter him, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that is... Like what I was saying earlier, you stand in one spot, make the same cast over and over and eventually Mm -hmm. something's going to go. Yeah. I I believe that there are times that they move. I believe Mm -hmm. that there are times that they they sit there and, you know, if if you have a stretch that you're like, I know this stretch can hold fish anywhere. If I stood here and casted this structureless area, eventually one will come by. Mm -hmm. I also believe that there are other spots, you know, that might be better along that stretch that are going to have fish there anyway. Mm -hmm. So you're either going to, Like you could cast to a fish that's in a hole, and you could run baits by it all day long. If it's not ready to move, it's not going to move. But if you hit them in that transition spot, they're already ready to move, and they're move. The only reason I can think of that they're moving is so they can go eat.
5: Mm -hmm.
3: And
1: that's a good time to catch a fish is when it's hungry. Yeah, on the pro, right? You know, yeah. There's just that one that one section that I'm 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 thinking of. There was something like when it, when it turned on, it was like five or six pike, And I'm like, I'm catching pike here. Like we're talking boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, i got to go somewhere else. There's not a muskie right here. So I run, I run down the stream to where I was a better spot, like more of a community hole. And, uh, I ended up catching my muskie and I believe it was like the last day of the year, whatever the 31st of December, it was a hot day. And I had like an old flip phone and I wanted a photo of this fish because it like capped off like this incredible day for me. But when I, you know, you kind of have to get in a sketchy spot to go pick up this fish. I was standing there and like, I could feel like the mud sliding out from under me. And I just kept going deeper, deeper in the water. And I'm holding the fish <laughs> higher and higher waiting for like the timer to go off for the picture. And I mean, I went, I was like waist deep. I have and a was, picture like, like that.
3: in pajama shorts soaked (laughs)
1: Mm
3: -hmm.
1: yeah and you know i don't don't even have that photo anymore it's on some old phone that i don't even i never transferred but Uh, i have that memory of of like you know you you combined all of these like little catchy things in the musky world you're like if you know there's don't leave fish to find fish well Mm -hmm. i was i i wasn't catching fish then i did catch fish and i'm like okay well they're on and then i said if they're on, go to your best spot. Mm-hmm. Well, I left fish to find fish, and it ended up working. So they all contradict each other, but it's all these—they're not wrong. There can be two things can be right mm-hmm. at the same time. And well, I know
3: the little creeks taught me about them being on and off, like especially off. Like because me and my buddy, ever these guys know my buddy Brandon, we would fish this little river and creek and stuff where you could see them. And if you went by them when they were off, you could like damn near like poke them with like the butt of your rod. Like they wouldn't mm-hmm. get out of the wouldn't get out of the way of the boat. Like your boat could you were in one foot of water. Your boat would drift over them. Fish would not budge. I'm like, if that fish isn't going to move for a boat, like why is it going to move for my glider or my bulldog or, you know, it's it, it pretty
1: much just move your boat back on the trailer.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's and that, that taught me grass. right. Then like there's <laughs> they, they have moods. They're moody fish. Like you could do everything right. And they're on or they're off. In those, right. especially those creeks and rivers, just like Valentine's Day. Yep.
1: Sometimes <laughs> you just strike out, right, Nick? <laughs> I got a feeling Nick needs to tell me a story. <laughs> no,
2: nope. <laughs> nope, sir. And I, I
4: i don't want to i don't want to move away from this but i also want to ask like i have a couple other questions here. well
1: you're captain of the ship let's let's hear it well
4: you're you're captain tonight andy
1: well, i <laughs> just did the intro because you said you were nervous yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah that's exactly true that's 100 accurate <laughs> i uh I, I want like and we're talking about some of the stuff that we've heard on the AZ podcast and we've said this like a hundred times, like you guys, like you, Todd Vance, like you guys were obviously like the musky podcast pioneers. And, you know, a lot of us, like we've, we've learned a lot from that podcast and from the three of you guys. And, you know, I'm just like some of this, like we, you know, we kind of talked about this a little bit before, like we never get to hear like all these Andy stories, you know what I mean? Like, what do you have like any, is there any stories that you haven't told in how, what is it? 400 plus episodes of the AZ podcast, like any favorite like fishing stories that that you haven't had a chance to tell yet?
1: That's going to be a really hard one for me to, <clears throat> at, at some point, I'm sure I've told just about anything memorable, but
4: we can I mean, come back. We can come back well, to that. I'm,
1: I g I, I, I gotta start through six or seven years worth of shows. But I mean there are just
2: have you know, ever told I, I, the uh the story? Well, how about well, I probably should have brought it up earlier. But like with your first ranger, mm-hmm. you repowered that, didn't you? To like that one fifteen. Yes. Was that the one that had the that's in the has the part in the museum with the reed valve?
1: Oh, uh, okay. So you're going to have to be somewhat of a, a motorhead to understand this. So, um, so I the six eighty one ranger, I got it, it had the seventy horse on it, and the seventy did okay, but the the boat was rated for a one fifteen, and the seventy, it took it. Everything it had to plane it out, but once it planed it out, it did like 33 ish miles an hour, which was acceptable speed, but I really wasn't satisfied. I mean, that was, that was good. And I just could not find an economically priced. I mean, stuff's expensive. I I didn't want to buy a motor that was thousands of dollars more than the boat and motor and trailer that I already had. And I stumbled upon a boat. Where was that at? It was. It was. Man, I, I keep bringing up the town of Cockerton a lot, but it was south of Cockerton on Craigslist, and it had it had a one fifteen uh, Johnson Fast Strike on it, and it was it was a few years newer than than my six eighty one, and I'm like, eh, it's not that unmatched. So I I go down and I'm like. I'm anticipating like my course of action was to buy that boat and motor bring That's it home the switch the motors and then resell the boat. Oh. Okay. Like yeah, that, that was going to be like my my long way there. But I got down there and you know it was like a really unmotivated seller. It was it was a younger guy. He was older than me but he was still younger. And I'm looking at it and you know it's a 115 and you know this and that and i'm here you know he fires it up for me and i'm like okay and i say hey what would it take for me just to buy this motor and he's like i don't really want to mess with it you know just like the normal thing and my selling point was i looked at the capacity plate of that boat and it, it was rated for 110 horse and i said hey just so you're aware your your motor combination on this haul is illegal He's like, that's only five horsepower. I said, 110 is 110. You know, like.
2: What's five horses between friends, Andy? Come on.
1: I know. But it was enough for me to to like finagle a deal. And I think it was like, listen, I have a clean you 70 horse. What you're saying. <laughs> I, 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 it's my leverage. You've got to find <laughs> leverage where, where, where there isn't. I leverage it. I said, I've got a clean running 70 horse. I said, this is what I'm looking to do. I'll pay you like 500 bucks. I'll take this boat. you got to trust me. I'm going to switch out the motors and I'm going to have it to you the next day. And I said, you're going to have 500 bucks. Your boat's going to be legal and you can sell it. I'm like, it's going to run. I promise. I must've been really good at selling stuff that day because he took it. So I hauled this boat up, unbolted the 115, bolted up the 70, took it back to him, came back up here, finished doing the job on the on the uh on the ranger and you know everything was everything was good there now i ran i ran the the 115 like through the balance of the summer it might have been july or something when i did that and it's just like it just didn't feel right to me like the motor didn't feel like it was right but i mean i i i, I it go like a scalded tap but it's just, man, it just didn't feel right. Well, you know, I, I kind of get, I get through that year and it's, it's sitting there in the pole barn and I'm, I'm looking at it at the old house. I'm like, I gotta have a reason. Like, I just can't tear into this motor, but I gotta have a reason to do it. And I'm, I'm looking and I found out like you can get carbon fiber reeds. It, it was a V4 two-stroke. I'm like, I could put carbon fiber. Reed. That'll get me kind of close into that motor just to see if there's a problem. So I'm like, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. So I ordered the carbon fiber reeds, and I'm like, I'm going to do the fuel lines and stuff. So I pretty much ripped, uh, I ripped, like, the little air box off. I ripped the carburetors off, and I got to get to these reed cages. And they're they're kind of buried in there, and I – um. Uh, what do you call it? I also did the thermostats. That was another thing. Like you can on this, this uh, motor, you could pull out like this big honking bolt looking thing and your thermostats are there. And I noticed the thermostats were removed. I don't know why, but they were, and I bought thermostats. So I'm like, I'm just going to do a whole whole thing on this. So anyways, I do all that. I, I pull out like the first reed cage, the second, the third, and the fourth one. I pull it out and I'm like, well, this is something does it, Do you guys know what I'm talking about when I say a reed cage?
2: Explain what a reed cage is.
1: Okay, so a reed cage in a two-stroke, your fuel and oil um, mixture gets sucked into the crankcase, and the oil lubricates the motor, and through some ports along the cylinder wall, the gas and oil mixture go into the combustion chamber. Kaboom, you got power. And that's kind of why the two-strokes have like an oily slick behind them in the lake, is because you're 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 burning up the oil and it's coming back out but the reed cage is I'm trying to think it would be like a horrible example think of a reed on a clarinet okay except instead of like how you blow into the clarinet the fuel's coming the other way it's coming in like and when when the piston comes down on the power stroke it pressurizes the crankcase and it pushes the reed against you know the, the body and it closes it off but when the piston comes up it opens and it creates a negative pressure allowing the fuel and the oil to come back into the crankcase so it's just it's flapping in the wind basically and it's it's a, it's a one-way check valve so i pulled the bottom reed cage and i found my problem there was a honking stainless screw in the very bottom pedal, leaving it half open. And it was working its way ever so slowly. And I don't know when it got there. It was probably there from the factory. But for anyone that doesn't know motor stuff, if that would have got into that motor, it would have been, like, been gone. The motor would have been gone. The motor would have been, yeah. It wouldn't have been a motor no more. It would have been a paperweight. It would have scratched itself up and welded everything together because that screw does not belong in the motor, and it's going to get wedged where it shouldn't. And it's but way it was harder like,
2: than all the aluminum that everything's made out it's of. It's going to get there.
1: stuck in a port or something like that, and then the piston's going to hit it. And it's just going to smash everything up. It it would have stopped that motor very quickly. You know, but it was you, just.
4: You know what I love about this story, the fact that. Technical, like very technical people, whether it's like working on a motor or a computer, like you need a validation, like you need a justification to look at some of this before you just start digging in there.
1: Yeah, I couldn't, ju- I couldn't just tell like, yeah, you know, that new motor. Yeah, it's in a million pieces. What? Well, it just didn't feel right to me. <laughs> and you're like, how is it supposed to feel? Well, right. It's not. It, it feels <laughs> wrong. <laughs> so let me figure out a reason to do this and it, it, to, honestly once I did that I put the carbon fiber reeds in and um they were stainless reeds from the factory the carbon fibers are lighter and I don't know makes millions more horsepower and fuel mileage but I'm going to tell you what the difference was when I got it all back together and I took it to the lake the first time it was like you hit that key and that thing was running it was idle down smooth it was right so Moral of the story is if if your gut says something ain't right, you're probably correct.
2: Now, what did the uh, the missing
1: thermostats have
2: to do with it? Or somebody just didn't want to replace them and they just took them out.
1: I got a feeling that that someone someone like when they pull thermostats out of these motors, it's like because they want the motor to run cold because they're running it really hard. And I, part of the not feeling right was when the motor had been run, it wouldn't always fire right back up. Like a good outboard, when you get done running it, you should be able to shut it off and it, like just barely touch the key and it should be running.
2: Cause it's dead cold already.
1: The thing was already frozen. Yeah. So I don't know why, but I mean, a lot of those parts back then were really cheap. So it wasn't that big of a deal. But when when I saw that reed cage again, hop on eBay. I had another reed cage in a couple days. Put it all back together, and you know, waited till spring and did it. But it, um, you know, I, I guess the worst case scenario is if I screwed it up, then I screwed it up. And I look at stuff as if someone bolted it together once, I can bolt it together again.
4: This is like the perfect thing because Andy said something to me at Musky Max this year that like completely like, for example, a new boat owner, like you guys know, like it, I don't want to say it's stressful, but you always have like doubts in your mind. Like, I don't know how this works. I don't know if something breaks, what to do. You know, I don't yeah. want to mess something up. The one thing Andy said to me was whatever you break on this boat, it's fixable. It's true. <laughs> like that was the one thing. And I was like, huh, it was like a light bulb. It was like, that makes a lot of sense. Like I can do something to this boat and it's probably fixable. Like you taking apart that motor to me, like I, dude, I couldn't do it. I would have parts left over. I'd have things like, <laughs> I wouldn't even know like how, where they would go. Like, I think that speaks to, you know, the brain and, and your ability to be able to, like, pick up on that stuff and just kind of, like, we're all built a little different, you know? Like, that's not how I'm built, you know, motor-wise. Mm, but I don't know. That's, dude, that's really interesting to me because, like, I would have never guessed it could have been a screw down in there that could have done that. And I had no idea what to do with that.
1: Well, I, I, I was looking for something, but I didn't know what I was looking for. And it's... You just can't do exploratory surgery for no reason. So, I had to put some carbon fiber reeds in this thing. It's a race boat. There
2: you go. Wow. Bam, um, bam. Now, what's yeah. your top speed after the carbon I, I, fiber I picked, reads? I picked, up,
1: I picked up another mile or two, like consistent, <laughs> and like it just it responded better. I don't but think you I ever said
2: I, you went from, what, 30-something with the 75 to... With say, the 70 horse
1: I was like 33 and then I was I was a consistent middle 40s okay. like a low middle 40s like 44 and um but I can't say what the carbon fibers did because I didn't have a clean reed cage with the stainless right so I mean I I basically I was running on like three and a half cylinders that's kind of what it felt like and uh and then you know everything running good and you know after after you get it all put back together but you
4: know. <laughs> it just man. like it blows my mind that you're like there's something wrong here you know what i mean like that's the other part of this that that's crazy like owen would you have any idea <laughs> like if you were out there and your motor was doing would you have any
0: idea zero like <laughs> absolutely zero and i've tried like i try to pay attention and it's just one of those things the only thing that gives me a little bit of hope is you know you read a little bit of dick pearson and apparently he was the same way and he would go out into the middle of the canadian wilderness for weeks on end and he had zero mechanical uh you know inclination i don't know how he ended up doing it but like that type of story keeps me going and Another thing I have to say is that's one of the reasons why I like to fish Canadota Lake because if I break get down, back. if I break down, I could swim back. Mm-hmm.
5: You can't
1: you can swim your swim pontoon back. Yeah. I, yeah.
0: I can go take the slide down. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: You go to the frog pond.
0: That's
2: right. Exactly. Get a little
3: mai tai. I'm <laughs> Great piña coladas. You're hearing Andy, the engineering mind, and then we'll flip the script. I sat at a launch ramp for 45 minutes trying to start my motor with the kill switch off, cussing at the motor <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, no. "A oh damn my new God. motor, you have a kill switch, one year sorry. old. It's one year old. It's broke." All. And then I'm like, "Oh wait." And then like nobody no. saw that. And I just so, casually backed out of the launch, wiped the sweat the last off my year.
0: Head. Last year, when me and Nick and uh, and I think it was Donnie when Donnie and Kellen were up in uh, Canada with us, one day my dad oh, he's he randomly sends he he mistakenly sends a text message to our group lake chat that says, Don't tell Owen about the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, What you what? I'm like, Okay, <laughs> tell me about the boat. It's like. <laughs> Wednesday of my no it's like Tuesday of the week of vacation i you know he didn't just didn't want me to worry and, and i'm like well just you got to tell me now what what the hell's going on with the boat it, my, you know the pontoon boat that at that time was only like a year old you know and well sure enough he just couldn't get it started and he's like emailing the dealership and he's like telling them that there's got to be something wrong with it and you know and you know you know this boat is and. Sure enough, I'm like, okay, did he check the kill switch? And sure enough, (laughs) problem solved. I'm talking they stewed about this for like three or four days as a group because they couldn't figure out how to how to get the boat started and they didn't want to ruin my vacation by telling
1: me. (laughs) And it was a goddamn kill switch. And we're gonna go and put a lot of effort. Behind the scenes to figure this one out. <laughs> I
0: mean, uh, it would, uh yeah. So from now on, like from then on, my very first thought is when something is wrong with my outboard, okay, is the kill switch engaged? And that's
3: where the limit is for me now, because that's the only problem I've had to solve. So if I ever have an issue and it's not the kill switch, I'm fucked. Because I'm not going to know what to do now. <laughs>
2: That's yeah. it. Yeah. You just, <laughs> you just
0: yeah.
2: You just back up the thumb screws and push it off the back. Dude, I'm mm-hmm.
4: just like I'm like I turn it on and I'm like, is it peeing? We're good. Like I yeah. don't even
2: like I don't know what else to to think about.
4: Checklist complete. Yeah, exactly. We're fishing. <laughs> I barely got this thing in the water. Like, just it's yeah. unbelievable to me.
1: I mean it's it's really it's a learned thing. on on like a lot of this stuff and just growing up with with the the crazy like i could go down a whole dirt bike four-wheeler snowmobile thing that like led me up to this doesn't feel right um i don't know how much time you guys really want to listen to some of these random things but um
2: have you ever had one that just spontaneously voids all of its oil out of the bottom
1: because that's fun I have not, but we, did you ever have one that you named the Raging Ape?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, was that the, like the granddaddy of the Grape Ape?
1: They weren't related, but the Raging <laughs> Ape <laughs> was a basket case snowmobile my friend Luke got for trading a four-wheeler. It was also a basket case. He brought it over, you know, we, we were young, we were probably seniors in high school you know maybe 18 19 i don't even know and And,
2: was it made out of parts from like four different model years put together
1: not quite but it was about to be (laughs) and uh like I think this is like a rite of passage to, to to be able to graduate to the Jedi level of I think there's something wrong with this motor, you have to have <laughs> stories like this. So Luke never really had much to ride growing up, but he got this by trading a four like I, I, he has this. We unloaded it into the into my parents' garage and we're like, okay, what's it missing? Well, we need a battery. So We found a car battery, but a car battery wouldn't fit where the battery was supposed to be. And this is an old sled. I don't even know what it was. It was the one with the like leaf springs in the front. Okay. And he wanted a snowmobile more than anything. Well, and it was a single cylinder engine. And well, we couldn't, we couldn't, we didn't know where to put the battery. So the next best thing, if you don't have a spot for a big car battery you get a melt crate and you bungee it like on the very back part of the seat and you run jumper cables all the way up to where like the 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 leads are for where the battery should be step 1 we got the battery in yeah. step 2 it doesn't have an exhaust well that doesn't work real well i mean it works but it's not ideal so i did have old exhaust from my Yamaha banshee four-wheeler the problem back. was is that it would not fit under the hood
2: was we didn't really back, have a back when you uh ran the exhaust shop until the the town zoning put you out of business and no
1: kind of, this was prior this was prior to to like all of the uh, government overreach but
2: <laughs> kill, kill those okay. version 1.0
1: that's yes <laughs> so I I was wondering if anyone else caught on to that one. (laughs) Um, So in order to make this exhaust fit, we had to cut a hole in the hood and it was like a fiberglass hood type thing. And, you know, it was an old sled and they're contemplating on what to do. And before they know it, they hear the sound of a chainsaw and me plunging it into the hood. And We cut a (laughs) hole big enough to run this exhaust out the hood.
2: Oh, look, there's an opening
1: it magically appears. What are we waiting for? There's writing to be done. <laughs> so we we take and, you know, through the magic of safety wire, we safety wired the exhaust. It did not fit cleanly. I just, anyone out there saying that won't work, you're mostly right, but it was there. It was the thought that counts. And we like, you know, baler wiring, stopping in place and getting it. We got it well enough all right now let's we got the battery we got the exhaust let's get this thing fired up and it's trying to run trying to run trying to run you hit it with starting fluid which starting fluid is not good for a two-stroke i'm not saying i don't do it but don't run it on starting fluid we need it to run again there's riding to be done we get this thing to kind of half spit and sputter and whatever and it would run but luke had to like hunker over and like the fetal position and constantly adjust the carburetor. Like he was the throttle and the choke at the same time. And it was like this little bit of choke, more throttle, less choke. And he, he was constantly doing that. And he was able to feather it enough. And with the dexterity of a chimp, he was able to get it to rev <laughs> high enough to engage the clutch. The issue that he had was he had no one to steer it. Because his arms were already used to keep the motor running. That's when I step up to the plate. (laughs) With me standing, leaning over him, grabbing onto the bars, he fearlessly trusted me to navigate this craft while he was adjusting the choke and the throttle. These snowmobiles, if anyone has ever ridden these old ones, as we soon found out, will flip over on flat ground, going straight. They were so tippy. Especially with someone standing. (laughs) We took off down the road at probably five to ten miles an hour, and I did not even turn, and we were on the side. (laughs) We picked the thing back up. He assumed his position. We got it going again. We started going pretty good to where, I would say, we were riding a snowmobile now. Until we tipped over again, the battery fell out of the crate and hit him in the head.
5: Oh, man.
1: (laughs) That was the end of our ride. And the raging ape was no more. It was put to rest.
2: She she burned bright, but not long.
1: (laughs) That's all that matters, is I have the story of the raging ape.
2: That just takes me back. I feel like that's just like a great like special moment around here is that like you get that like random snow event, like usually in like October, early November, and you get like a foot of snow overnight, and then everyone's like, We need to get the sled running. <laughs> it's just chaos.
1: Yes. <laughs> it, and it, it was. And it was it was things like that of overcoming problems of how you can then buy feel. In your soul, know that something's wrong with your engine.
2: (laughs) There's a man with his arms under the hood.
1: (laughs) He's sitting there, like, tinkering away. He can't even look up. I have to be the one driving. And we're going, and it's... I don't know how any... Like, how were they even legal when they ran good? They just tipped over. (laughs) But, yes... (laughs) Our battery hit him in the head.
4: This is unbelievable. I've got more stories of Luke, but this is
1: a
3: fishing on.
4: (laughs) Sometimes. Sometimes. Every once in a while.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, Let's get back to business here. All right. We just need a minute after. Come on, Ryan. (laughs)
4: Well, I like, I just, dude, I don't know. Like, I I don't want to get, I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole, but you know, we kind of talked a little bit before this about the AZ podcast. Like we were, we mentioned this a little bit before, like, this is kind of a hard one because you guys have had so many different guests and episodes, but like, is there anything like getting into podcasting? Like at the time, like what, you know, what was going through your head? Like starting a venture like that, you know, there was no other musky podcast out there to be, to be had. Like what you guys just, did it just like come to you one day? Like, this is what we're going to do.
1: Pretty much. I mean, it was like it going back to the, to the swimmer and the optimum women. I'm like, I can do better. And you know, I, I working on just working on stuff and i'm just like you know it you're listening to joe rogan and stuff like that and you're like you know what this this can't all be that hard and and one of like yeah rogan is obviously like uh, the inspiration for just about every podcast out there but rogan often gives a lot of credit to the opie and anthony show you guys probably don't know the Opie and Anthony show, do you? I don't. <laughs> no, I do. Okay. So O and A. I I kind of got turned on to them late in like their career when they were doing like Sirius XM and stuff like that. And just how they how they modeled their show and stuff like that, I'm like, you know, kind of like the like the whole Seinfeld thing, you know, like you guys said, this is a show about nothing basically it's just a bunch of guys saying the most horrendous things to each other is Opie and Anthony. And, um, I'm just like, you know, open up any magazine, watch any video, watch any musky media. Everything turns into like a how to, you know, and, and and we joke about it on, on the AZ. Like, you know, big water, big rubber, fall fatties, and, and all that other stuff. But it's, it's all bootside it, strike. Yeah. <laughs> New that's, way what, that's, that's what we joke
0: about, like the YouTube. Mm-hmm. We kind of joke about the similar, you know. Fitting my whole tackle box in my mouth. Using giant <laughs> bait to catch giant prehistoric fish. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the hunt for Slabosaurus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, And it's like, it's all been written and it's all been said, it's all been done. And it's, I'm not going to knock anyone that wants to do a how-to. I mean, I've given, I've given tips, but I also like to say, this is how I did it. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. And that's, that's, that's great, but kind of like what I said on that, on that, uh whatever December 31st muskie that I slid in the in the river. I was catching on the pike. You, you don't leave fish to find fish. If the bite is hot, go back to your best. They all contradict each other. And we're just like, there's gotta be another thing out there. There are more there there are muskie fishermen. And this was this was my thought when I brought it to Vance and Todd. I'm like, there are guys out there that, you know, they're sitting in their garage. It's two or three guys, or they're on the phone and they're just kind of talking musky talk. And I'm like, I think we can make this work and better yet, we can't fail because we're not pulling out a mortgage to do it. So, yeah. let's make this happen. I mean, if no one listens, we'll find out pretty soon. Right. That it's, it's not like worth doing. yeah,
0: it's a it's a, a no-lose situation at that point. You know, there's very little
1: risk. The, there's financial... only, the, it's only gain. There was, yeah. there was no downside because if, if it flopped, no one listened. And that's why it flopped. So it's not embarrassing to our friends. Right. It's <laughs> never so, happened. What do you, yeah. What well, podcast? Sure what do you, yeah. This one. Well, I don't see it because I deleted <laughs> it right before the conversation, <laughs> but it is pretty much like, we don't want this to be a how to, we kind of, we, we want to show Number one, that you can sit around and have garage talk with musky stuff. And I, you know, I still do it. Like when you get into a good podcast, it feels like you're in the room and you almost like want to talk to the radio. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and like, like we can cultivate that. And, you know, if it was a single person podcast, that's, that's hard to do to do like a monologue a two person podcast. It's easier, but the more people you have, yeah, you, you got some logistic stuff that you got to work out with, you know, talking over each other, but you can get this going and just have a conversation and it doesn't have to go anywhere because if they know if, if they're going to like, I'm going to listen to this and they know full well that this isn't going to like take six strokes off your golf game or catch 20 more fish. It, all right, let's, let's waste some time. And it also then builds, builds a personality.
0: And you can also, it's the type of thing where, you know, listeners can zone out for, you know, 10 minutes or, you know, and, and they're not missing, like, this isn't part of some grand story. You know, we're, this, this is just us sitting around talking and bullshitting. And that's the way you guys, you know, kind of, kind of did it where, you didn't have to be paying attention all the time because I think this if you have to pay attention mechanics. all the time, <laughs> it's that's a, a paying attention all the time is a number one reason for people to tune out.
1: Right. And basically I think people kind of tuned in because, Hey, the, these guys are talking about muskie, and we've never heard this before. And they're also trying to make jokes. And part of the fun jokes of are making bad jokes because as as like I told myself as kind of like the host, I mean let's let's not let's face it, I was the host. And still yeah. um I have to in order in order to be relatable, I have to be myself like in real life. And I try to be as jokey as I can, but a lot of times they suck. <laughs> and what what can what can save you on a sucky joke? Is owning it before anyone can make fun of you.
3: (laughs) Or another sucky joke after.
1: Yeah. Yes. Pile them on there and eventually don't turn back. Yep. (laughs) So, you know, and people like, if if you try to have this thing so scripted, it comes across as fake because it kind of is. So I was always. Early on, conscious about the like the BS meter, about like, does this feel real? Because they're going to pick up on it, and and that's you know at times it was challenging, you know especially when when you you have some guests that might not be used to just being like, hey man, sometimes you just gotta, sometimes you just gotta suck it up and, and just take the sucker punch, just just for the sake of the show so think, and yeah and and. and like the, the fun thing was like real early on was that once we got comfortable making fun of each other, it was like, we, 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 we stopped recording. We, we do the show, you know, we put the show up and like none of it ever carries. Like it was never like throw the headset and like, I can't believe you said that. It was just like, <laughs> all right, so what are you doing tomorrow? Like it was, it was, it's always fun like that and, and you keep it flowing and real and people can relate. And then what ended up happening early on was we're going to shows and people are coming up, talking to us like they've known us for years. And I'm like, hi, I don't know you. And, and they're like going on your and, name. And, right. And, and it's, it's like, I'm like, that's how, that's how I know we were doing this right was when people connected with us so much through airwaves that they came up and were talking to us as if we've known them for a long time, and and that was really cool. It's not like oh we're famous. It's no some some people know us at the show. Yeah, and it, and it's just what's that? And it might this as well was, be at that
3: point. Like that's so exciting and cool. Like there's
4: dude. I mean, I, Dan Dan and I stood in line in Ohio and watched you guys walk in and and dan looked at me and he's like that's andy (laughs) Andy. and i was like oh my god that is andy you know it's like but it was that's the that's the cool part about it is because this community is so small but like oftentimes you know that's what happens like you guys set the mark and a lot of us were listening and and you know it's almost like you can almost recount things that were said on the podcast, like, you know, just random things. And it, it was just, it's super fun. You know, It was like super cool to see you guys like in Ohio. And we're like, that's, that's Todd Vance and Andy. Like,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, it's, it, it, we're just walking in like normal. It's, it's like for us, we're, we're just, there it is. We think you nothing put, your, of you it put
0: be- your pants on same way. Everyone right. else does right. One leg at a time
1: pretty much i i mean there's no other way of doing it <laughs> so, <laughs> i thought about it
2: andy like, hasn't quite worked <laughs> that
1: one out yet <laughs> working on it well it's not efficient let's just say that but
4: there, um do you have any like favorite moments like whether it's at a show or like favorite things that you guys did like i was I always talk about the vhs tape because that was like Really the first time I felt like I connected with you guys like at a show.
1: That's sitting in the museum. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's those those little spontaneous things, like there, there are so many of them and so many catchphrases. Like we we wanted to like we thought about we thought it would be cool to think about, meaning that like, we never really acted on it. Having like all the 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 little catchphrases that came about. But it usually, like, we might have a show that's, like, running average, but there, like, you're always looking for that home run. And when we could get the home run with a genuine belly laugh, like, it was it. That was the show. And, like, you know, like, one that comes to mind often, because it was, uh, Paul Frascherio was on, and... Th- this this would not have happened if Todd did not say this line. Like I forget what Todd was. Vance was talking about his boat and all these cigarette lighters, and like that were on the boat. Not like big lighters, but like they're basically twelve volt outlets. And yeah, I think but- I, I think I think the younger generation knows them as twelve volt outlets. But if you're of a certain age, that used to be you push this thing in and it heated up this coil. And that's how you would light your cigarettes while driving. Oh yeah, dude, the cigarette lighters. Oh my <laughs> yeah. god, it's
2: like the only purpose for them.
1: And I think I
0: still have scars on my thumb from those things.
1: Yes. So <laughs> Vance was talking about, you know, all of these twelve volt outlets that you know he's like these cigarette out cigarette lighters in 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 the Ranger, and he's like, and then I'm like, and like, and then you picked up smoking, and it largely went undone for about like. I, it was coincidental that Todd had this perfect timing, and then, like a few seconds later, Tart starts laughing. He's like, "Got all these cigarette outlets, might as well pick up smoking." <laughs> <laughs> and it, it just opened the door enough to to get us going, and that's really all it takes. Sometimes is all right. Let's just start riffing. And then Vance said, said the, like the, that solidified it. He goes, I'm the amazing smoking man. <laughs> so it just built up like, oh, and then you know, you started smoking. And 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 Todd just started, you know, it's just the way the timing went. That is like one that really stuck in my head to where. When I'm like, I don't like to listen to my own voice on the show. I don't re-listen to the shows. In fact. I don't even edit any of the shows when it's done. I take the SD card and plug it in and upload it. (laughs) Like it's seconds after we get done, I got to type some stuff up, you know, maybe give a brief description, which I don't think anyone reads, but I put that up there and boom, it's up. So I like to work without the safety net because if you're going to try a joke, you better be committed because I'm not editing that stuff out. It's it's there. (laughs) You go nowhere. I am not taking that time because it's just, that's how we did it. And and we all agreed on it. And when you get something like that and I'm like, I have to listen to that again. And sometimes I look at the mixer and and I have this, um, this little minute counter on it. I will write that down. And I'm like, I got to listen to how this played out again and I'll listen to it. And I will then like, if I think it's good, like my wife has never listened to any of the shows i'd be like i need you to listen to this right now and to to see if it was as funny as i thought it was so like those moments are like those are like what i cherish out of out of the eaz podcast when we talked about another one that comes to mind is the chicago show that we went to i forget what year that was 16 17 18 and, um, what was that guy's name? Sergio. <laughs> Everywhere we went in that hotel, Sergio was there. That was, I mean, there was just so much cool stuff that happened in the story of us going to the Chicago show. That was the, the one where you up,
2: guys were like next to the knockoff supernaturals or whatever.
1: Yeah, we were, yeah, he had a better booth location than us. We were put in like this dark, damp corner and he was <laughs> like, as soon as you walk in and You know, like the joke was on him; he didn't sell any to where he to the point to where he took them all to like the swap meet to try to dump them. And I know we we beat this one to death on our on our show, but like some sides didn't even have epoxy on them. Like I just oops, I forgot. (laughs) Wow. Uh, But yeah, I mean the the recap on that show that was another good one that I just like. Vance called me when we were driving back. I went into Terminator mode driving back because he had to pee but he wouldn't tell me just how badly he had to pee so i just kept going by all these exits (laughs) (laughs) like we finally he's like okay let's pull off here and we stop and it was like a mom and pop gas station and no one was there and it was it was locked and no lights were on so he's like finally you pull over i've been had to pee for the last hour and it's locked and you know he just around the back and stuff (laughs) like that but he said that i went terminator mode and i'm Mm -hmm. like you gotta tell me when you gotta go i you know it's not my
3: can't read your mind
1: right you know just like like those little things that that stick out that those are those are great and i i think maybe some of the ones that i think are just normal in passing some people are like they they hook into them and like this is me this happened to me And it's just, it's, it's neat to be able to connect with people that you don't know if they're listening or not, but they are, and they're relating.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a super cool part about it. You know, just a lot of random things, like even you telling the story about your kids in the boat playing with the lures. I like, I remember that one specifically because we were driving home from Florida and that was like the first one that Deanna listened to. And we were just Mm -hmm. like, cracking up laughing but a lot of that stuff was so relatable and and it is relatable like that's that's what made your podcast so great you know it just it allowed all of us to be able to connect and still connect with you guys on that relatable you know plane and and still get you know some of the expertise and some of the knowledge and things like that so it was cool I was just curious you know you had any favorite moments and I think that one was that was a, that was a wow well answered.
1: Well, well, yeah. Like that one you were talking about with the kids in the boat didn't like guys don't put these, like, don't hook each other. And I yes. turn around and like, there's a hook in the hair of my yes. daughter. or something yes. like that. that was exactly it. 100%. <laughs> like a hundred percent. Yep. <laughs> yep. That Someone was in full directions. Yeah. Like, like I dropped something. I bent over, picked up, came back up and there's a bait hanging in her hair.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just so relatable though, because that stuff happens, you know. It's like
1: Some of that uh, stuff is so so cartoonish. <laughs> it's just like this only ha this only happens in cartoons. But yeah. no, it's it's I like you
3: know, it. A lot of it's like the soundtrack of like so many of our road trips, that's the funny part. Like our drives to Erie and Chautauqua and I mean that's mm-hmm. all it's like our soundtrack literally. Like <laughs>
1: well that's that's good i mean i i i like that you know to hear that people are enjoying enjoying mm -hmm. the shows and stuff and you know we've even just this year we've had people like we just found your podcast and we're starting from number one and i'm like god
0: that (laughs) good luck
1: (laughs) yeah like you know it ended up i forget how many hours it ended up being like 29 straight days without sleeping of, of recorded audio something like that and you know, I've had some people say they've listened to all of them three times. Ooh boy! And I'm like, wow. I'm like, I I lived it once. I don't I don't know if I could listen to it again. But you did it three times.
3: Well, I know we've all lived it, and like you said earlier about like people, you feel like people know you and you don't know them. I mean. I kind of speak for myself here, but like, we don't know each other that well, Andy, but like, I feel like I know you, like before this call I got on, I'm like, oh, it's Andy. Like, I know Andy. I've listened to Andy in the car for 30 hours of my life. I know Andy, but in reality, like, I don't really know Andy.
2: It's kind of bizarre.
1: (laughs) Right. But I mean, there's, there's still like a digital level of connection going on. Yeah. But, I like um, to sneak over right, and look
2: like at laughing. look in your, the pole barn windows at you. To, like, yeah, to really get the mm.
0: yeah, they to to, to me. Yeah, I felt like I, uh, uh, I think when we had Todd on, like there was a some there was something said and it was a joke about you know Andy not like it was something about spicy food or something and and I felt like I laughed at something or maybe I even made the joke but, like it was kind of like. I knew you didn't like, I forget what it was. It was either like spicy food or traveling far. One of those two things. Well, you're, you're correct
1: with both of those. So. <laughs> that, well,
0: that's what I mean. Like, I can't remember <laughs> which one it was. And I felt like I kind of laughed at what might've been an inside joke, but but it but it was obviously on your podcast. So I knew it for a reason. Do you know what I mean?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, have, you have deeper knowledge than just what's on the surface. Right, um, which
0: I didn't really know why I knew that. Like, it, it was like, oh, wait, Andy doesn't like spicy
1: food. Like, right. right. Yeah, I mean, why I do constantly. I, why do I get, know that? Because they pound on me all the time for it. Yeah. They're like, can you believe he goes to the restaurant and orders a burger plain? What's <laughs> wrong with not being disappointed? like <laughs> i'm paying money here so i'd rather have something that's consistent and good than a gamble and great sure. so
4: i got i got one more quick one and i know oh, this it could be
1: long ones i don't care this is gonna be
4: well <laughs> we can keep going this is something we've been asking everybody and i, I know like we, just from listening and I, I know like time on the boat's limited but when you're out there on the water, what is the preferred boat snack of choice for one Andy?
1: If it's serious fishing, like this is serious now, you gotta have the sour gummy worms. Oh, dude, yes, <laughs> I like that. yes, finally, you, you, you gotta have it. If it's not that. Because not all gas stations have that. It's got to be sweet as fish. Oh, you got to be part of the. You have to be in the group. It's either worms or fish.
0: This is fair. I like thank thinking there. I, I like to where watch do where do Sour Patch Kids fall in that uh, hierarchy? <laughs> I mean, because that, that's like a must. I love Sour Patch
1: Kids. Okay, so so they're they're still kind of sugary and gummy. So they kind of fill the same family. Mm-hmm. I, I I I wouldn't. I wouldn't kick you out of the boat if you had them. Let's just say that. <laughs> All right. So it's acceptable. It's not preferred. It's acceptable. Right. I mean, you can get those like little peach rings too. That's that's still in the same family. You know, it's kind of like here's one. Know, you,
3: Sour Patch started making peach rings. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I might not have that lineage, but I just know it's gotta be <laughs> worms or minnows. Now, if it's lake gear, you got to have pretzels because I've had people get sick on the boat, and pretzels are really good for that. So, and we
3: heard if it's Todd, you have to have potato chips.
1: Yeah, he would love you to bring a bag of potato chips. But <laughs> the, the thing is, is it's maybe not so much the potato chips; it's how you eat them. Uh huh. Smash them Mildly. up. Real good. You need to make sure that, like. They're crummy enough that they stick on your hands and you wipe them on your pants. Mm-hmm. So so you're just, you, you're doing like the salt bay here of
5: chips <laughs> on the floor.
1: <laughs> right. What would be even better was like when you were a kid and you had to open a bag of potato chips, you just hug the bag mm-hmm. and it's a 50-50 <laughs> on which side pops. <laughs> so if it were to pop on the bottom, which as adults, you know which side you gotta squeeze. <laughs> when that happens, you stand up all surprised and you step on them.
3: Oh, okay. Try to get out of the way and stomp them out. You,
1: you, you gotta you got to clear the path so you can clean it up. But Preferably. When you do and you step on them, make sure you rotate your foot to get a good <laughs> grind in.
2: Preferably, you want to
1: position yourself on carpet to do this, too. Mm. Ideally, that would be great. But <laughs> also, try to time it when he's looking. <laughs> he
3: likes to see make, it happening make but, but Don't eye make contact. eye
1: contact Don't make eye contact oh, Keep no. it in the peripheral Because <laughs> then you're going to be able to see the true reaction Because eye contact might Put off that you're doing this intentionally
2: I was thinking make full eye contact Establish dominance You know, Let them know that you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and Okay so if you're going to go that route You've got to go full alpha here And when it does that You say this is my trip and I want it this way.
2: <laughs> then you pee on the floor of the boat.
1: <laughs> right. But if you have to, you could do like the like that little sparkler thing and spin in circles, so you mark most of the territory.
5: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> that's where I was going. I was gonna suggest just pissing on the bottom. You know, just pissing <laughs> on the floor of the boat. It's, like, it's that's, lame. How mark, that's how you mark territory. Maybe
2: on on Todd's leg, you know, while you're at it. It's just not as fun with the aqua traction.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it cleans up too nice. Yeah, the aqua
4: traction (laughs) kind of
2: ruins it.
1: Right, but, you know, you could also go full San Francisco and just go ahead and drop a number two there.
3: (laughs) (laughs) In the live well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I caught a brown trout. Let it circulate a little. Make sure you don't don't let it recirculate. Have it <laughs> circulate in it. So you, you whip up a nice flurry. Oh God. No.
4: Oh god, this went <laughs> off the rails. How we
1: get here Better from yet, gummy worms. If you can do it to where he doesn't know it, save it for it the later. end of the
3: day. Yeah, <laughs> when you pull the plug at the end of the day, it all comes.
1: <laughs> Oops. Hopefully, it like comes out a little bit, then stops. And the first thought is, oh, is you got to clear it with your finger. Oh, oh.
0: God. <laughs> <laughs> oh the enema! <laughs> oh. Boat plug enema. Oh,
2: See, man. I bet you, I bet you, this exact scenario is why the newest Rangers have uh, automatic drain plugs.
1: They're just little toggles on the dash. <laughs> You know, I was privy to some information at the board meetings, and they said that was the number one reason that they need to put the automatic drink plug, because too many people were taking upper deckers in the live well.
2: The number one and number two reason. This has been a common complaint.
0: You know... Somebody left the floater in the live well!
3: (laughs) Oh, on my baits again, Owen. Oh,
1: man! (laughs) You could have the Plano box.
4: (laughs) Dude, the next time I'm on anybody else's boat, I'm putting a baby roof in the freaking live well. Just doing it. This is awful. This really went downhill quick.
1: Before you do that, keep it in your pocket so it melts a little bit. Which
2: one? Is that Dumb and Dumber 2 or something like that? Dumb and
1: dumber or with the chocolate <laughs> bar and the radiator. <laughs> yeah. and oh. dumb, Caddy Caddyshack.
0: That's where the Caddyshack that's, is, that's like, the, the original. original.
4: That was the original.
2: <laughs> yeah. And Dumber Dumber 2, he, like, melts a candy bar in the bathroom and then just smeared, like ends up smearing it all over the like he reached
1: in his back pocket, and, it, and you really thought that he messed himself. Because <laughs> his hands all, like, and I guess like a rational person, he starts wiping it on the wall. I do. Well, what else do you do? Hmm? I didn't know there was another option, but... <laughs>
4: <laughs> they call that the Raging Ape.
1: <laughs> the Raging Ape. Yes, yeah. that could be the Raging Ape too. What did Jason
0: Lee call it in uh, Rats? The Stink Palm. Uh, stink Palm. This <laughs> is not good. This is not good. Oh, it's chocolate covered pretzels. Well, I think we have our
3: choice at a couple titles for
4: tonight. Anyway, yes, <laughs> yes, we do. We absolutely do.
1: All right.
4: Oh man, what well, what else do we have for
1: Andy? Ask away. I'm wide awake. <laughs> He's feeling it. He's in the zone right now, dude. This is amazing.
2: Andy drank a case of Mountain Dew. He's ready to go.
0: I'm all hopped up on Mountain Dew. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Got some cream soda in me. Ooh. Yeah. Well
0: I honestly I have a million questions, but I don't even know like where to where to even Pick go on. from here we've been let's, going for
4: well let's circle back around when did Andy first get a fishing rod <laughs>
0: no, <laughs> no, Andy, what, what what kind of epoxy do you use <laughs>
1: uh, do, uh, do you really want to know yeah that'ss <laughs> like that's, uh, yeah.
0: I think I already know but the, the, that was kind of a joke i I ask everybody that comes you on do.
1: i don't think you do i i as far as I know I'm the only one using this stuff Ooh. oh really Ooh. uh-huh I, I might mean, matter. I could be wrong, but
0: no. Then I, then I, then I probably don't know.
1: Um, I am using uh, the stuff called Poly uh, Polytex from Delvey's Plastic.
0: I d- that's I did know that. Should we bleep okay. that? I should. I I should not. I should not reveal my sources, but I I did know that actually. Okay. I mean, sor- no, I mean, the
2: source made on I've, the call.
0: Yeah, I've never tried. I've never <laughs> never tried that. Because I struggle. I am like an epoxy idiot. And so I I'm always looking for some foolproof way to epoxy uh my blades, which is the biggest pain in the dick ever. And getting the getting the primer to, to stick to blades is very difficult. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you have any. I'm using, like, an auto-bonding primer, but it's just, like, kind of like an uh, uh, over-the-counter type of thing. It's not any, like, super specialized auto-body primer.
1: I'm trying to think. Like, I might have – I'd have to look at it because I just keep – I just go right down down the street to the auto parts place. And I want to think it's, like, a polyester or an etching primer that I'm using. And it's –
0: it it's a double uh, what's it called it's like a double etching primer or something like that and it's supposed to be but it still even i don't know what it is i cannot get a good seal on them so there's always some little point in the in those blades that the epoxy is weak and as we all know when those things start spinning you know however hundreds of rpms per per second or minute uh-huh. uh you know it it doesn't take much for for gravity and and liquid to take effect and start to peel away at that blade if there's one weak spot on it you know what
1: i mean yeah typically when i see paint failing on blades it's because the blades clink each other and you get little chips and eventually yeah. it just i mean the whole you're, thing. you're not gonna i don't i think <laughs> no matter what you do you're not going to win that battle.
0: No, I think that's I think that's totally normal. What I seem to have a problem with is if there's that little weak spot in the blade, if the primer underneath hasn't properly bonded to the metal blade, it will actually like peel away. Are, you're
1: just left with are, bare are you metal. painting steel blades or are you trying to go over like a nickel or a, a brass blade?
0: It's a it's an unfinished brass blade.
1: Can you get steel blades? I, th- yeah, I think so. I would say that, um, I, I, I'm not speaking from a great point of experience, but for a hundred years, they've been painting steel on cars and it sticks pretty good. Okay. I, I would venture to say like a brass or something like that, or a, something that might have a, uh, like a coating on it like a like a flash nickel or whatever might not be the best to adhere
2: that's it's, what that those etching primers probably might not be etching brass too
1: yeah i mean if you wise. had if you had a nice steel steel blade you know you just maybe hit it with like a purple or a brown scotch bright clean it up wipe it off real good and spray it that that primer is going to bite right in
0: okay all right i'd give yeah, I mean, I'd give that the wheels I mean,
3: turning on owen already
0: yeah, no, absolutely. It's in and that's something that I've I've been told that kind of prepping it with certain chemicals, but I've gotten a million different kind of random suggestions on, "Oh, if you soak it in this, if you soak it in that before it'll bond." But I you know, I never really thought about just roughing it up with steel wool.
1: And Yeah. I, so I mean, if the primer doesn't want to stick to brass it doesn't matter how much you clean it or how much you scratch it. It's not going to stick to it. I like I, what kind of comes to my mind right now is like the hurdles that Ford had to go through for their aluminum body trucks. Like it's, it's a different, it's a different metal. It's a different way to paint it. Okay. So, I mean, I would, I mean, if you can get the same blades and steel, go buy a 25 pack and go paint them up. See, and I run don't think
0: anyone, nobody makes an unfinished steel. Everyone makes a nickeled steel, but in in where I get my blades from is 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 the national, you know the the national supplier of blades. So you it's a bulk type of place, and w- the way they offer their blades is basically in nickeled, unfinished brass and polished brass. And I order, I order them in the unfinished brass that has nothing, you know, absolutely nothing. It's even got like, some of them have like watermark on it and stuff like that. So I do have to clean them up a little bit, but I've never, I don't know. I mean,
1: so like a couple things that might come to, come to my mind right now is, um, number one is, is that nickel blade. Is it a steel blade? That's, that's, that's like electroplated nickel.
0: Yes, I believe so.
1: If that's the case you might be able to get someone on the phone i wouldn't do email because you don't really get good answers through email say hey i'm trying to do this with with your guys's blades is there any chance i can get some steel blades prior to the nickel process
0: these folks are really good i've talked to them on a number of occasions like i've i i so i think i can probably call them and 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 ask them um you know it's not it's not to the point where i'm just like it's i'm just like the randomly ordering stuff like i i have talked to people there so i do think that's that's certainly a possibility but when i go on the website like they you know they don't you know their their offered finishes are very very limited
1: yeah i mean i the way i see it is working in the metal industry if i don't have to Put an additional finish on and a customer wants it just out of the press if they're not like a gigantic corporation they'll be like yeah we can throw some in an envelope you know and they they might even say hey we'll we'll send you 10 or 20 You, you never know yeah but i mean worst case scenario after that you might just have to say i'm gonna get my own stamping stuff and you know if you could get one that is clean even if it was a nickel one and you polished all the nickel off to get to the steel just to try it. There's got to be unfinished steel blades, even if they're not the blades that you're using just to try it.
0: So, so I'm just, I just put up the website here, and the, uh, the finished offerings are plain brass, polished brass, polished brass, lacquered, nickeled, and then painted one side and painted two sides. So, those are the. And like I said, this is the national, I can't imagine many other places other than this place. You know, this is a a high level volume type of place.
1: If if it's a steel blade that's going to get nickel or a steel blade that's going to get painted, it had to come out of the stamping, you know, the, the, the dies as plain steel. So there's an additional process to get it to that. I would see if you could try to intercept it or worst case, buy painted and just leave them in lacquer thinner overnight and then try try doing your own. Okay. And then and then you'll know. And then you just gotta sweet talk them into selling you some that, you know, aren't finished.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh maybe they could send me sell me if if they're painting them, you know, maybe they can sell me some that are Pre-painted, yeah, which just pre or pre-primed, so to speak. Or
1: if it's painted and their paint is good, you could just paint over top of theirs. Just paint them white. Just yeah, get a but, bunch getting, of painted- but
0: getting them painted is so much more expensive. Like, you're How talking almost doubling the price of blades from a just a regular plain brass. Oh no, you're yeah, you're, you're doubling the price.
1: Are we talking about a couple bucks?
0: no like you're talking about you know in blades you're talking about i mean your cost per thousand cost per thousand on like the plain ones are eight hundred dollars cost per thousand on painted two sides are eighteen hundred dollars
1: okay so it's a buck eighty so it's, it's so on a on a two bladed bucktail it's going to cost you an extra two dollars, and if you know your paint's going to stick, I think that's cheap insurance. for for two yeah. extra two extra dollars on on a, on a bait. I mean, if if actually that's like, not a bad 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 way to look at it. I mean, because like you know, like the the baits that we make, and and if we got to make a change on something, and you're like, oh my gosh, you know. We just bought 5,000 hooks and, you know, people would be like, holy crap. That You're like, yeah. But when we do 1,400 baits a year times like an average of three hooks, that's like a year and a half's worth.
0: Right. It's and, not and, but, that
1: much. But, but it, 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 it doesn't last you a long time, but like, oh my gosh, that's a lot, a lot of money. And you're like, yeah, but it's like a dollar or two on each bait. Mm-hmm. When you actually start dividing it out, you know yes 1800 is a lot more than 800 but if it's a dollar more per blade and you've got two blades that's two bucks you know right at that point you can say either i'm going to pick up my price by a couple bucks or you know what like was, there are some things that we sell at az that actually are money losers we make we we give money away on some of the products yeah I mean, it's like um, a prime example is is a, is a friend of mine, His his grandfather used to own a grocery store. And he's like, we make no money on milk, bread and eggs. But when right. people come in for those, they're buying jelly, they're buying ham, they're buying this, they're buying that. And we make the money up on that. There are some items that we have that if someone ordered just that and I by the time I put shipping and stuff on it, I'm out, I'm out more money than people would like to know like it's right it is not a money maker it's a money loser and so you just got to say well you got to know where you're going to win and you got to know where you're going to lose and in the end you hope you win more than you lose
0: that's a good point very good point
4: that's like one of the best answers on freaking epoxy and <laughs> No, abs- absolutely. Because I mean,
0: seriously, dude. I'm like, I, I feel like I'm I'm inside that meme of uh, with all the math going on, and <laughs> you know, I'm sitting here like, oh my god, Bang it's making over. all the sense in the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, if they're getting their paint to stick, just paint over it. There's been a lot of bench warmer, like A Z baits that have been primed over a time or two to just hit reset.
0: Yeah. And quite frankly, painting is just about the least favorite of my activities mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to this whole business. So it's not something that I would mind cutting out a good a good portion of. But who knows? We'll see.
1: And, and some of that stuff, like like okay, so if you're going to get a painted bait uh, blade, I don't know. Let's just say it's pick whatever color you want. Sometimes it's easier to use what's already given to you than trying to, like, like reinvent the wheel. You're like, right. hey, this is going to be really neat. I'm going to get a white blade. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go ahead, hit a little yellow, hit a little green, put a black stripe or two, hit it with a gold scale, and you basically use their white as your primer. And it, so, like, instead of just saying, I'm going to flip over the, the game board here and redo everything, find something and utilize it. And that, and that's like a lot of the paint patterns. I'm just going to speak for myself, but I'm sure everyone else is. There are a lot of our baits that use the same colors in the same color step, but it's the last two or three colors that change it completely. And, you know, there are like, when I'm like, oh, it's perch day. And I go and do a hundred or 200 perch in a row. It gets sucky. But if I could have something already half done that someone else already did and you bought it, that makes that $1 less per blade less of a hindrance because you're like, what would it have cost me to to get these things clean and get the white down? Right. There's a dollar get value to, to it. Clean it's them, not, prime
0: them, get the white down.
1: It, it might yeah. not be a dollar. It might be $3 worth of your time and you just got it for an extra buck. That might be a like a net win.
0: Yeah,
4: man, this so, is this is great business talk so, right w- now.
1: So we went from baby Ruth upper deckers to right to, to actual
0: talk, actual talk about <laughs> business and, and how dare information. you guys
2: bring this back into a serious conversation?
0: <laughs> what, what what does one of our one of one of our reviews say? Like a great combination, boyish of humor, boyish humor, and actual <laughs> information. And might as well say act. like dick and fart jokes and
1: you might learn info. Some. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Solving the world's politics. Mm-hmm. And
0: <laughs> taking and
4: upper deckers. Deck. Bathroom <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was good. What else have we got? I
3: got about another two hours of rubber questions. We didn't even hit that, but we'll save that for maybe another round.
0: Yeah, we didn't even quite, touch a, on quite honestly, I wouldn't yet. mind having Andy Andy back on to because to, to get more into the minutiae really about uh, I, honestly, there's I mean, shit, I I have a million other questions for Andy. You know, I, I really do.
1: I'm ready when you are. <laughs> He's, He's like fire away. Away. He's like, I mean, away. Like you're like retiring. And I'm like I'm here. No, so, okay. <laughs>
0: So let me ask you, when I bought my first Raptor, it was a six inch Raptor and I was, and this is, you know, early on in my musky career, so to speak, I wasn't, I didn't really have a ton of different baits, but when I bought it and it had the screw eye screwed in with no split ring and the hook attached to the screw eye and I was mm-hmm. like, well, what happens if I have to cut this thing off?
1: Is that your question? Yeah <laughs> like, okay I didn't like, know if there's more I, I didn't want to be rude
0: no 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 um, no it was no it was like kind of like I I don't know is there a reason why that hook is directly to the screw eye as opposed to adding a split ring in the middle there?
1: absolutely so to answer the first question take a pair of pliers and don't try to like open the screw eye pick it off to the side hook comes right off put it back on i mean it's only like 20 or 30 degrees you bend it off to the side you don't try to pan opener it you just deflect it off to the side that's how you get the hook on and off
2: almost um, like the screw eye was a split ring
1: you'd like okay. open it up Yes, you would open up through the side, but so a couple reasons why is that when you start having multiple baits in your lineup, something that can really sink you quick is trying to house inventory for every specialty component. Like when I first started painting baits, I'm like perch have to have red eyes. This has to have a blue eye. This it just got to. No, I have to break myself for this. They're all getting this same eye. Unless something goes wrong and I can't get them, then they're going to get this eye every bait. Um, now there have been some show colors where we have put different different eyes in them, but um, you know, I'm I'm kind of took a lesson from Dale Dale Wiley when uh, Todd was talking about some of the Saint Clair guys. They would say, "I need Michigan perch." with the green eye. And he's like, I haven't done like, you you look back, like I haven't done that in a while. Like it has to be the green eye. And if you shipped it with the blue eye, they're, they're mad. And I'm like, if I can standardize everything that I can, it's going to one, help me with inventory. And two, I'm not going to have a whole bunch of something sitting around that doesn't really get used for anything else. And with the six inch Raptor, we don't do a ton of them. We do we do enough. But we really wanted to continue to use that mustad hook. Those like I have a love hate with the mustad hooks, those three, five, six, five Rs or whatever they are. I, I, they they are slipping slipping my mind the exact thing. But um they are nice. They're a three aught, but they have the gap of a five aught, but the height of a three aught and i have never been one to understand why you want enormously long shank hooks hanging from a bait the fish is hitting the bait the fish is not hitting the hook if you can have the hook up tight it's going to be a better chance that that hook gets in the fish's mouth so we tried to standardize that three aught and the other thing with at least on the six inch rafter was we had a weight balance to try to hit to keep that thing from going like bonkers underwater and if you start putting a light hook on that you lose some rudder action because you know we don't mold weights in those so we're relying on the metal that we are putting to keep that thing you know keel weighted correctly and you know so we needed the weight we wanted to use the standard hook that we were using and thirdly if we put a split ring on it it had so much more wiggle with it that you were fouling it up almost every cast on itself.
5: Hmm.
1: So you kind of got to match the hook to what you're doing. And
4: man, Owen with- is like, he should. He is really thinking through this one.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, well, because I mean, you this, end is up- I, this is why I like having a guy like Andy on because it, you know it's it's making me consider all this all these things that I I obviously and
1: considered
2: because it's even Mm -hmm. it's consistent all the way out to the 10 inches right that are all that same hook
1: they're they're all that same hook and and you know there has been some from internal some grumbling that the 10 inch soft tail has the same amount of hook area as the six inch and that's and that's true the six inch like the six inch bait has a lot of hook for the bait right well i
0: noticed Immediately I caught a fish on an eight inch soft tail Raptor and I had to cut the front hook and I didn't have one of the short shank hooks. And I didn't honestly, at that time I didn't know that there was a difference. And I put on a, one of my regular trebles and that I thought was about the same size. And it just kept getting hung up. You know, that thing just did not run correctly. It kept hooking itself like on the, on its back. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I, and at that time I didn't know, and it was Nick actually, it was like, Oh yeah. Andy uses these, you know, short shank hooks so that the, you know, specifically so that it doesn't it's not able to get all the way back around there and hook itself. And sure enough, that was the,
1: that was the issue. I, I've had, you know, we, we don't get a lot of complaints from, from baits not running. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say we don't get any, but you know, a lot of like, This one time I got like this guy and he was telling me this thing isn't running good and this and that and whatever. And I'm like, man, send me a picture. And he had switched out the hooks and the split rings to like the Wolverine. And like, they were just like bound up in there. And I mean, I'm a a tinkerer and I'm like, oh, I'm going to make things better. Man, I'm – nothing wrong with those Wolverine split rings, those triple wraps. If it doesn't let the hook swing freely, it's causing you problems. And um, so it's one of those, it's like, you know, I I get a lot of people asking what leader do you use? I'm like, it doesn't matter to me. And, you know, but on the flip side, it kind of does matter to me which hooks you're using because you start switching things out. And, you know, there are people that are like, I know these hooks came on. This thing runs this way. I want it to do something different. So I'm going to put this honking hook on the front. Knowing full well that I'm changing how it runs, but I'm trying to have it do something different. Right. So you can you can tinker with a bait just by switching out the hooks. Most people know that. But, you know, there are things like our six-inch soft tail. It It has another completely different hook, which turned into a unicorn hook. And then it was like us trying to track it down. It's just like the last three years on hooks has been really hard. People like the the manufacturers cutting out like different, different um, model lines of hooks. And now we're struggling to find this and that. And, you know, we had to go to a lighter gauge hook because they got rid of our normal mustads. And I think I bought six, seven thousand of those seven, a lot of them. Yeah, I remember, what was it. that? That
0: was, uh, was that last year that yep. those things went out? And that's, thankfully, as a bucktails, it's not something I necessarily, I can use a longer shanked hook without any problem. But yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of guys were griping that those things were gone. And and here's Andy on the podcast being like, oh, I bought 8,000 of them. and, and I'm sure Sorry, every other everyone. lore maker that, that's out there listening to it was like, damn it, Andy.
1: Well, I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I talked about that freely because, you know, I think because you got them. Huh? Well, I, I got them. Come and get them. <laughs> I mean, got them. If if you got them, you got a brat. Yeah. And then while everyone else is struggling, I'm over here getting rich. So th- that's how this works. <laughs> but,
0: like, like Scrooge McDuck swim doing backflips into that money bit cash. I was thinking rumor has this, it Andy, a...
3: Andy throws a mustad off the bridge every time he goes over just throws one out the window just because he can because he I 7, know someone's 000.
1: crying it's like uh-huh. that, that old littering thing with the Native American in the tear in the garbage <laughs> 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 but you know but I mean what it really comes down to is I, I don't like the word panic buy but it's one of those. It's like if we're doing this, and I know we're going to use them. It can't be a panic buy when you're like, "Hi, shorties, yeah, you got this hook. We do. How many? This many. I'll take them all." Like it's pretty easy. And right, you know, the other thing would be is I I talked about that freely on the podcast because when we started talking about the hook issue, I had a couple people reach out to me. They're like, "Well, we're just finding out about this, or you know, whatever." I would have had no problem. And I offered this. Do you guys need a thousand? Do you need two thousand? I'm not going to sell you everything I have, but if you're in a pickle, let me know. I'll sell you what I got. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of the bait makers, and I, I say a lot, not all, we're all looking out for each other because if you fail, I could fail. And it's a really good community. Not everyone is like that. But I, I'd have no problem, you know. Do, like, you guys need these hooks. You can't find them, and I gotta. I got more than I need right now. Yeah, I'll sell it because I'll probably find something in the next nine months. It, it's not that big of a deal. But had I not bought all of them from Shorty's and then Hagen's, and you know, like let's just say I would have bought two thousand to get me through. And someone's like, "Where'd you get them?" Like, "Oh, I got them here and here." They're like, "Oh, they're out." Well, then I I might have helped you by telling you where they're at. It would have been better to say, "This is my invoice. This is what I paid per thousand. If you give me that, I'll give you the box. If I have them, I can I can dole it out." And I had a platform to where I could broadcast. If you guys need help, let me know. I bought them all, and that was kind of my whole thing there. And you know, no one took me up on it, but people did talk to me. So, I don't know. I thought that was more helpful, but I guess it came across as Scrooge McDuck greedy. Well, it's just like I just like
4: swimming in hooks, like that's yeah,
1: yeah, like saw too, right? Yeah. Oh. God.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what else do we
1: got? I'm I gotta... glad you guys got that syringe reference. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> I think it's bedtime for me.
4: Nick's, Nick's been slowly. Nick's been yeah, slowly quite some
3: Nick's time. He's usually here. sleeping in a chair with his mouth open by now yeah. somewhere.
1: Yeah. We have several pictures. Of well that. dad of the year over there should be five a.m. at him. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, no kidding. That is gonna
4: come early. Well, no. I'll just say this: I think
3: we need Andy back for a part two. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, I agree. Did we even get anywhere? I feel <laughs> we, like we really—that's what
3: I mean. We anywhere. need a part two. It's kind of like Saul one; it didn't get anywhere. We're gonna come heavy with Saul two and really get it,
1: really hit it.
3: <laughs> yeah, hit him hard.
0: Uh, who is it? Um, the 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 Canadian musky podcast. Ugly, splits, pike? ugly pike they, they split their podcasts up into part one and part two and like each one is about an hour we'll split this up into part one and part two and each one will be about three hours <laughs> that probably okay.
1: the next
3: 15 episodes will just all be parts of a- andy part one andy part two andy part they'll be like when's it gonna stop just i think, for the, it's I think
0: for the next year man steve we oh no we want to have gear man steve on for sure
1: If I would have known, I would have taken the call when he called me.
4: Well, I, like, personally, before we continue this, because we might go another 45 minutes if I don't stop it.
3: I just got (laughs) to say,
4: like, Andy, like, everything you guys have done, like, everything you've done from the rod holders to the bait selection, you know, to the podcast, to just being willing to help guys with their boats like tom experienced i know you helped me a good bit with the rod holders you know like everything that you guys have done and everything that you've done just absolutely like thank you for everything because that podcast when you guys started that you know and i'm sure you know this but the impact that you guys have made on a lot of musky fishermen you know all of us included it, it's something that to me is it's a very special thing and, you know, just thank you for all the hard work and time and because, you know, you know it as well as anybody like podcasting is not lucrative at all, you know, aside from being able to connect with people and establish relationships and and to to really, you know, just kind of broadcast and, and entertain and, and help people out like that's what it was all about. So you mean you guys haven't been getting your checks?
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, w- 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 we just get envelopes of cash. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> this is a quote from Gearman, okay? And I don't, he, I don't think he put this on the podcast, but I've been using it, so I, I'm, I'm giving him credit here. He said something to me once, and he says, "Not everything can be justified with money," mm-hmm. and 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 that goes for buying something, and that goes for giving something.
0: Yeah, that's extremely true and you know 100% I use that one
3: at least once a month in Cabela's talking to the girlfriend that money doesn't justify (laughs) everything it's just money
1: right I mean you make more every day yeah I mean yeah it's one of these things it's like yes there, there has been some monetary gain from the podcast overall if people actually saw what it was at the end of the day, no one would even be envious of it. I mean, there were some, there were some really good things. There were some not so good things when it came, when when you start bringing, bringing like outside personalities on to, for promotion. Like, I don't want to say like, they all had their ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And, you know some like it benefited some more than others and and it just it was one of those things it's like even if even if this was all given away like my time my effort buying all the equipment you know i've got like four mic stands four mics i've got the mixer board i got all that stuff because if you don't put out a good product no one's going to listen but if for nothing else if it can tie people together and it can inspire some stuff, I I, like what, like, what, what could you ask to be like, Oh no, I'm not going to do that for, for, for anything less than this. It's not genuine at that point. Like I I felt that I, I might've helped some, some issues here with painted bucktails and hooks and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. But we also had the fart jokes. And if I was (laughs) if if I was tied to anything to where they were controlling what we said, it's it's not it's not fun. It's not real. It's it's like the downfall of YouTube having commercials jammed into stuff all the time. Right. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's a labor of love, but there is a fringe benefit to it. And and it's just it's, it's money not justifying You know, that the lack of money doesn't mean it's not worth it.
3: Yep. I mean, even in our little short time, we've all had, like, experiences at Musky Max, like, kind of how you described earlier, where someone comes up, and it feels like they know us, but we don't know them, and they'll tell you a story. Like, we've had people that were alcoholics that say that, you know, listening to, like, some buddies talk about fishing, it keeps them off the wagon, and it's, like, stuff like that, or, like, people that were depressed, and it's like, really? Mm -hmm. Uh, that may, that's what makes it worth it. That makes it really
5: cool.
1: Mm. Yeah, or, or they're like, hey, I like to, you know, like, we would always typically, you know, do a Tuesday or a Thursday show. I mean, early on, I think it was a Tuesday, then it kind of shifted just how schedules were and stuff like that. And if we didn't have one loaded up by Friday morning, sometimes I'd get texted like, what's going on? and like, <laughs> you know, this, this happened or that happened and, you know, whatever. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's you kind of feel obligated to, to keep things going and you know it it keeps the drive there it keeps things good I mean I know we haven't done one in a while but it's just like man without people asking me questions it's really hard for me just to pound out the stories that yeah. both Todd and Vance have heard a million times already and uh you know it's weird telling the same story over and over again to the people that have were there <laughs> like yeah. uh uh-huh. but yeah so huh. well, like it's, we it's said, I fun. mean,
3: you've, you've provided the soundtrack for, I think just about everyone muskie fishing and PA and whether you hear it or not, like you don't always, those people don't always come up to you at shows, but
4: they're out there and they're mm-hmm. hearing it. And, and they're excited for more AZ. Yeah.
1: So yeah, and, they, and they'll, there'll be more to come. We just got to yeah. get something to talk about. <laughs> there you I go. Mean, like, it, well, like I guess I, I, this would be a good spot to talk about when, when it started getting a lot of podcasts out there, which, you know, I helped Greg and Tony get theirs. um, You know, I, I talked to uh, uh, team Rhino. I got, I got the backlash. I, I, at least I talked to him about it and, and told him some of the equipment and some of the stuff like that. It's like, it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, you just help each other out. Mm-hmm. And, and when things started getting to where, uh what tim tim willacky when when we started like stepping on each other's i don't want to say step on each other's toes in a bad way but when we're starting to get the same guests around the same time it starts getting like holy crap like why is anyone going to want to listen to ours they put theirs out like a day before you know and it's just like y- y- there's only so many big names that are willing to do these shows and you you get them, and it's like, okay, if we ask them to come back, is there anything new to talk about? And you're like, oh, they just did that show, they did that one. It's not like, oh, we need to get ahead of them and and, and beat that show. No, it's we're putting out content that's like seventy five minutes a week, and people could probably consume five hours of podcast a week, and they go and listen to two or three other podcasts. You're it's not like they have to choose. Oh, I only have one show to listen to a week. No, they're listening to all of them. So it, it was never like there was a competition, but it started to get to where guest overlapping and we're having multiple times the guest on and you just start, the, the well isn't that deep to be spreading it that thin. So, you know, it just gets to where like, what else can we talk about without us just talking about ourselves all the time, which basically I did that now for what, three hours. <laughs> so. and it, it was an
4: amazing three hours. supposed to be
1: that way tonight. But, you know, it, it's, it, it just gets to that point and, and we're like, listen, we just had a, we had a, a rock and show season. I'm tired. They're tired. They're going to be kicking up here soon to, to, to start doing their guiding all summer. You know, we're going to take a nice breather. We're gonna get some stuff, you know, settled out, rested up, and uh, you know, we'll have some more shows. I mean, we, we pay for the year subscription to to be able to put those shows up and you know I, I feel that it's worth having around. So we're not done, we're just resting. That's
4: awesome. That's awesome Sometimes sure. you need that. Well, yeah. we're looking forward to it.
1: Yep. Yeah. What I should have done, I should have hit record on my mixer. I should have loaded this thing up on the AZ before and beat us to it. Beat us to the punch. (laughs) There you go. Hey, guys, I I had the musky hunts on as a guest. (laughs) (laughs) Genius.
3: I just
4: want to say, I want to say one last thing, and this is going to be very selfish, but fat AZ rod holders are a staple on the 2023 (laughs) Pima tuning Three Rivers Chapter 16 tournament champions boat <laughs> and i couldn't, and I, and I couldn't sponsor. be more pumped about that so thank you thank you for but, that setup and helping you,
1: me putting you on the podium huh
4: yeah mm. exactly
1: if it wasn't for those rod
4: holders it would
1: have never happened okay well
3: that's that's good that's an honest to god truth right there baby
4: dude i i i
0: say that jokingly but i mean it though yeah <laughs> like, I it's, well I I should I we should go ahead and put it out there that if our listeners want to hear part two of this uh that we should get Andy back on because I think I think we should have Andy back on here in the very near future to finish all these all these really topics. get into the mud yeah I mean
1: yeah because we just scratched the surface on something
0: absolutely mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah you probably want to hear how I Scrape Luke off the road when he flipped his bike next to me. And
2: we're
4: well, we gonna, yeah, we're gonna hear that one. We're gonna save it though. Because they're making like a list. A, look at Nick, he's Nick's he's down. fading fast, he's fading quickly. And I
2: just wander around the pole barn and ask you questions about things that I find. <laughs> well, <I'm>, that'll <laughs> be <this>? the next
0: <laughs> one, Nick. You can be on, you can be on, on site.
1: Yeah, well, that's one thing, Nick. Like, why didn't you come down here for this? I, I thought have about the it. mic set up. And secondly, if you're going to do that and we're going to do like an MTV Cribs, we can absolutely do that. <laughs> I love it. Oh man, this is even better. This is great. You see over man. here, this is a stack of hook. Yeah, that's right. You want a horror movie? I'll push you in it. <laughs> what's
2: this? What why what's this strange uh, crockpot contraption that looks like it's a, a set piece for the Boston Marathon movie?
1: Well, it's um uh, <laughs> it's where where I do a lot of cooking. And that's, you know, what I cook, we sell for money. And uh, it's for rubber.
2: We got to (laughs) cook.
1: I'm glad you specified uh, it was for rubber. (laughs) We have, we have a, yeah, we, we changed. We did a lot of updates this past year on the, on the swim baits. And we have this like big four gallon melting pot. And uh, it really upped production on, on this, on the rubber. And it, it made it made the worm possible. If anyone's you know, remembers the oh the yeah sh- the Chautauqua blood worm. Oh yeah. Big wiggler. The big wiggler.
2: Yep. It feels good it, in the hand, you know.
1: <laughs> it is it is a bait that you just kinda wanna have on your, your end table and you're just watching T V and you're just kinda like grabbing it and wiggling it and pretending <laughs> your hand's a fish.
2: Wait till someone's not paying attention and just slap them across the face with it.
1: That's a possibility. I, I'm not for domestic violence, but <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're what? gonna close this one out. <laughs> <laughs> we're, gonna going. we're gonna keep going. I can feel it. And, right. Thank you, Andy. Seriously. Oh, you're welcome, Andy. Thanks, thank Andy. you. This was awesome, man. I appreciate all the time and, again, everything everything that you've done. and everything. If you
3: asked me a year ago if we'd be sitting here doing this, I would have been like, yeah, right, Like talking to Andy. <laughs>
1: this, know, it's just exactly. cool. That's the funny cool looking thing back. Is, is this is like the first real time I was asked to be on a podcast. So. Yeah.
3: Not there bad. One for I one. Mean, I
1: mean, Greg and Tony asked me to do like a 15-minute clip, and it just like my schedule didn't work for it. And that's kind of like a cameo type thing, but yeah, no one's ever asked me. So
4: Well, that's awesome. That's
1: sweet. Yeah, as soon as I as soon as I saw your name on my phone text me, I'm like, I know what this is gonna be about. Like it just <laughs> it just said text like Ryan read on it. I'm like, Yeah, I know what this is. And we will have hammer this out. So that's it
4: awesome. could have been a hole in the
1: bottom of my boat. I was gonna yeah, bang. Something you to broke help me or, with. or- <laughs> Well, it, yeah, if that was the case, I would have been caught off guard and I would have been like, get it up here. I'm going to ask you to unhook it, go to McDonald's and come back and it's fixed. <laughs> we do that a lot. That's we great. tell people go to Walmart or something and come back in an hour and it'll be fixed. So You, you don't want to see this. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs>
1: you should see some of the stuff we've done with boats. There's two boats in particular. Very similar construction to uh, to Ryan's. That like a fork truck backed into it and collapsed it, oh, wow. and it was up to us with hydraulics and come-alongs to make it more boat-shaped. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, it's it's not like I, I use this term a lot at the shop. It's not going to be perfect, but it'll be better. In both instances, that was absolutely the case. <laughs>
4: Oh man! Oh. All right, I'm hitting, I'm stopping the recording.
1: All right, that, that, All thanks, right, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, thanks, thanks for coming Andy. on. This was fun.
0: Andy. I had to shake him on my last case, big O don't play.